Josh, I'm going to tie a whole bunch of balloons to my waist. Okay? Hear me out. Uh-huh. Hear me out. I'm going to tie a bunch of balloons to my waist. And I'm going to go to Yokohama, Japan. Uh, circa this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to beat the travel costs. Uh... Let me know how that works out for you. Uh, I will. I will send you pictures from Yokohama uh, as I attend the World Championships in 2023. <laughs> It'll be great. Mm-hmm. I just hope that there's somewhere in Japan that sells balloons so I can get back. Anyway, welcome back to the Damage Counter <laughs> Podcast, everybody. This is Phelan. And this is Josh. And, uh, you know, my, my master plan here uh, was inspired by our card of the day. How could we not... After this past weekend, cover flying Pikachu VMAX in our card of the day. Mm-hmm. Of course, World Championships happen. Lots of news to cover there. Uh, probably one of the most wild decks we've ever seen, ever conceived in our 60-card showcase in Mewtwo Control. And uh, just our overall thoughts on the World Championship and this season in general on the main, uh, on the main segment. So, uh, hey... Time keeps on moving, so why don't we get this started? Yep. Back at it again. Damage Counter Podcast episode. I think it's 16 this time. I don't feel like checking, so I'm going to say 16! Josh, what have you been up to? Uh, like in the past months since we haven't, couldn't have you on the last episode. Yeah, I mean, a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. Uh, other random crap. Uh, not too much anything to really bring up, worth bringing up, just dregs of the day. Got back. I've been getting back into playing League of Legends, and I've been getting back into playing Legends of Ruterra more. I've uh, been having a lot of fun with both of those. Pokemon, I've kind of chilled out on for a little bit. I've been so busy, I haven't been able to make it to most of the locals. And there haven't been a whole lot of decks that are particularly interesting to me right now that I want to play that I haven't already played before. But, uh, I mean, I built Dialga over this weekend. I, uh... Me, Phelan, and Dom were getting together to hang out the other night, and we were waiting for Dom to get off of work. And I just happened to be, like, looking through decks, scrolling through, and I clicked on a Dialga list, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I have, like, 98% of that. <laughs> and I did. So, I just needed uh, a single Dialga V, and the two V-stars, basically, and then the ever-elusive scoop-up nets, which is all I need for the deck right now, is those gosh darn scoop up nets. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs scoop up nets. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, the deck is finished. I have scoop up nets that I can sub in from other decks that I'm playing. But, uh, I mean, that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing that. Uh, but <laughs> spent $100 <laughs> on a Dragon Ball uh, starter <laughs> deck. <laughs> I don't regret it. 
I really don't. I'm uh, I'm actually still excited to learn how to play that game. It it really doesn't bother me too much because there are exclusive cards in that starter deck that you can only get from that starter deck for one, and for two, maybe I've been playing card games too long for me personally, but I I've easily spent a hundred dollars on all kinds of decks and. Some people, yeah, I could probably craft a Dragon Ball deck or something for the cheaper or whatever, but this way I get some cool exclusive cards, and I have a playable deck for right now that I can evolve into what I wanted to as I learn that game and go on. So uh, I'm pretty happy with it, honestly, and I'm excited to start trying to learn that game because it looks bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a couple of episodes ago, you and I were teetering at the edge of our seats, hovering over the buy button over a $2,000 copy of uh, Tropical Beach. So, you know, <laughs> I think spending you know, $100 on Dragon Ball is probably probably the least of our concerns. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, everyone's, I think everyone in that card game community, well, you've done worse at some point in your life. Yeah. The things, what we will spend on shiny card knows no bounds. It knows no bounds at all. Yeah, but I've... Uh, okay, so... I, I've actually played the Dragon Ball card game. I played exactly, like, two games of it. I bought, like, a starter deck, like, forever ago because some friends were getting into it. And mm -hmm. I was just, like, in a phase where I was just like, I'll play every card game that I can because I want to. Um, that is one of the... Like, as far as tabletop card games go, that is the most stressful game I have ever played in my life. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know what... Like, it gets... It gets surprisingly intense, especially, like, when the games are really close. I mean, I guess you could say that for any card game, but, like, at least in, like, Pokemon and even, like, Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, I could be sitting out on the other end of the table being, like, calm, collected, and watching things happen. But, like, in that game of Dragon Ball, is like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. it was intense. No, I definitely believe it. <laughs> It looks like a very combo-heavy card game from what I've seen, so I, I do enjoy games like that, so I'm excited. Yeah, I do I do recall it being pretty combo-heavy, or at least the deck I was playing was, was fairly mm -hmm. combo-heavy. I had to find out what I did with that. I know I didn't sell it or get rid of it. It's probably in that storage unit with my Lost Commander deck. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, besides that, uh, I have done some more like little tweaking here and there and looking at this... Uh, Lost Origins coming up, and I want to build Dialga, so I've been tweaking that list a little bit, testing it out in theory, kind of just, I don't know, messing around. But besides that, not much. How about you? You've been a lot busier than me with Pokemon, at least. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a lot of the same old, same old I've talked about on previous episodes, uh, inventorying my entire catalog of cards, uh, trying to finish all the decks that I started building every now and again. And I hate that I do this, and I know that I do this, and I I really should stop, but every now and again, I will get, like, so uppity, so, like, like yeah, I want to play the game, I want to play this, I want to play that, that I start, like, piecing together, like, five, six, seven different decks without actually having all the pieces for them. And then because I have so many decks that are in that spot, like, in that kind of limbo... Like, they don't actually ever get finished. Like, maybe one or two of them do. But, like, I've been working on a Corviknight list since before we went to Car Trooper for Astral Radiance. And I just... Dude, I'm missing, like, two cards, two, three cards. <laughs> and it's just, like, so low on my priority right now. And then, yeah. you know, we started throwing, like, 
you know, of course, we have the 60-card showcase, so I obviously have to throw priority to that. We started doing retro, which I've put more priority on. So, like, you know, I've got several standard decks that are just in disarray. A Gym Leader Challenge deck that's waiting to be finished. Poor Expanded has been waiting on me to finish an Expanded deck for years. <laughs> Literal years. Every time I get close to finishing an Expanded deck, because, again, I'm, like, focusing more on standard because that's just what I play. Every time I get close to finishing an Expanded deck... Like, right at the very end, I slow down. I'm like, okay, I've got a couple cards. I'll finish this, you know, next paycheck. No time at all. And then next thing I know, like, two sets have come out. And then the build I was building no longer works. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've kind of been all over the place. And I'm trying to reel myself back in. Uh, that being said, my my long, drawn-out quest to find one copy of Hex Maniac has finally... <laughs> has finally been resolved uh so now i have my first retro deck in audino ex uh for the x and y era so i am incredibly excited to try this deck out at some point oh yeah that's something i had mentioned too uh my x and y deck should theoretically be finished too i'm pretty sure the last of my cards just need to be picked up so hopefully me and failing can do some stuff with that soon yeah, we'll set up we'll set up a tripod somehow and get a game in like it's old school. It'll be fun. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also trying to get a second X and Y deck built before that happens. I'm almost done. I just need like a couple staples, like ends and ultra balls and stuff. Um, but you know, of course, no card shop within like a 500 mile radius has any of those for some reason. So. Uh, gonna have to order those on the line somehow. You know, that way we've got, like, you know, we're, we're not just like, you have your deck, I have my deck. And the only sense of, like, variety we get is if we trade, right? Like, mm -hmm. throw a third deck into the fold and see if we can get some more perspective and all that kind of good stuff. But either way, uh, so that's been a lot of fun, getting all that together. And then, uh, yeah, playing, playing a lot of Mewtwo Control in preparation for the 60-card showcase this week. I'm incredibly excited to talk about that. And then, uh, you know, the World Championships came around. Pokemon said, hey, here's all the regionals for the 2023 season. And, you know, all that rest paid off because, I, you know, I, I looked at my Sylveon list and I was like, okay, time to update this, time to see, you know, time to see what's going on. And excited to, be, to, to, to pick that deck back up again. For how long I do it? I don't know. We'll see. But for the time being, yeah, that's what I'm playing. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's about it on my end. Just uh, you know, tying up some some loose ends in my collection over here, and then uh, you know, getting some playtime in on Legends Arceus. In the meantime, I'm trying to complete that Pokedex, man. It takes forever. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, no, that's about it for me. All right, but enough of that from us. We've got a killer episode today, starting with a killer card of the day. Let's go ahead and get into it. Josh, were you expecting this card when it came back? When it came out back in October of 2021, when this was just a cute fan service card, were you expecting this card to be a world champion? No. I wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we all looked at it and went, eh, it's not too bad, but it's not really good either, and then moved on. And yeah, we're like, here we are now. We were like, that's cute anyway. Yeah. Well, see, it's, it's funny because I vaguely remember... Uh, before I get into that, our card of the day is Flying Pikachu VMAX. 
you know, <laughs> we should establish what the card is first. Um, but it, it's funny. I vaguely remember back when Celebrations came out that, you know, the content creators, anytime a new set comes out, they got to, you know, they got to make decks. They got to make the content. They got to make that bread. You know, no disrespect. I do remember a lot of the content creators, the first thing they looked at was Flying Pikachu and just turned it into this meme coin flip deck, which is really funny, it, you know, all things considered. Um, so, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. It's like they had the foresight, like, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny, but let's go ahead and get into it. We got Flying Pikachu VMAX, the center piece of the newest world championship deck. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> 310 HP, lightning-type Pokemon. Uh, you got the attack, one lightning, two colorless, max balloon, 160 damage. During your opponent's next turn, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from basic Pokemon. Pretty solid, solid effect there. That's it. That's the card. Yeah, that's the card. I will say, one thing I really like about this card, I find it very unique, and it's why I was drawn to it in my early Astral Radiance testing, it is probably one of extremely few lightning-type Pokemon that is not weak to fighting. It instead has the weakness to lightning, so it is a lightning-type that is weak to lightning-types, which I find funny. But even funnier than that is the fact that it is resistant to fighting instead of being weak to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty unique call to make. Yeah, I mean, totally in line with, like, the, you know, the quote-unquote flying type in the video games. Like, totally in line with that. And I think it's kind of funny that they did that. And equally as funny that they didn't do that with the surfing Pikachu. Like, it's still just weak to fighting, resistant to nothing. Yeah. I was like, you should have gone both ways with it, but, you know, all right, whatever. Uh, Low-key, I do think its weakness and resistance actually plays a huge part as to why this card was so viable. <laughs> in our current format like it's actually wild how much of a difference that makes yeah it really is it's uh kind of helped put fighting on the back line for right now when you think about it you know? yeah it it's definitely like it was kind of funny because i made this prediction you can go back into one of our later episodes and or earlier episodes i should say and uh and, and hear me say this because i was listening to them recently i was like there was a point where i was like yeah, fighting type's going to become good in Astral Radiance meta because lightning types are going to become good because Palkia is good. If Palkia is good, lightning types become good. Lightning types are weak to fighting types. Fighting types will be good. And I was like, yeah, that's totally sound logic. That makes sense. Uh, and then this was the only good lightning type Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's kind of funny, right? So, uh, and I was discussing this with some of our local players. It's kind of like a loop, right? Like, you get to the question, the positive question, how do we counter Palkia? Oh, let's hit it with lightning weakness. What are the good lightning type attackers? Uh, checks notes. The Pikachu with balloons on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people start playing flying Pikachu decks, realize that you can basically counter the entire meta with this deck, and you're like, dang, how do we counter flying Pikachu? Well, let's hit it for lightning weakness. What are the good lightning Pokemon? Checks notes. Oh no. <laughs> so so the, the Astral Radiance format is like just in this weird loop of like how do we counter Palkia 
And then how do we counter Arceus flying Pikachu? <laughs> yeah. Which I find hilarious. Um, but I mean, you know, what more can we say? It It is a card that at first glance when it came out was like, you know, it, it's cool. It doesn't really have a place. To suddenly being like the linchpin that holds the Astral Radiance format together, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it from being absolutely dominated by Palkia. Yeah. Like... I almost, it, this is probably a bit too much of a stretch, but I almost want to call this the equivalent of, like, Pachirisu in VGC 2014. Like, there's, like this, this unsuspecting card has this extremely niche spot in the metagame where normally this card would be like, that's yeah, not that great. But because of the circumstances surrounding it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> like, that's what it makes me think of. Mm-hmm. yeah no i agree it's just it somehow came out when it was needed and it uh shined in a way that nobody thought it was gonna which is pretty cool yeah that's 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 a magical moment right there especially for uh you know for a fan service card and and a pikachu nonetheless when was the last time we had a good pikachu card uh yeah long very long time in fact i'm not sure I may have to fact check this, but I'm not sure there's ever been one. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and check that, but yeah, no. Flying Pikachu VMAX. And it's got free retreat! And it's a cute card! This card's it's broken, broken, dude. Yeah. That's going to be Flying Pikachu VMAX in our card of the day segment. Let us know what you think of the newest world champion Pokemon. Uh, and... To my knowledge, Pikachu's first really good card. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know that for certain. But either way, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter. Hit us up at email, damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com if you prefer that. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. While we over here are going to make like flying Pikachu, attach those balloons to our waist and float on over to the news segment a lot of exciting stuff. Of course, this past weekend we had the World Championships. And, uh, you know, they always drop some 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 hot and spicy news at the World Championships. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Now, before we get into all the fun stuff from Worlds that everyone is here to hear us talk about... We do have a little bit of product news coming out. We like to cover this stuff first, just so y'all can keep an eye on what is coming out. I say that, these first few things I want to talk about are, for the time being, all about Japan. So, I <laughs> uh, hope you can import. Either way, uh, so you'll recall a couple months ago, I think... Either like right after or right before we got Astral Radiance, we got the Lucario V Star Premium Collection. Came with full art Lucario V, came with Lucario V Star. Is the only way to get the V Star currently in the United States is to get the promo box or to buy the promo as a single. Uh, fairly good card. You know, it's seen it's seen some niche competitive play here and there. Uh, the V Star does not have any other alternate rarities because it came as a promo for us over here and in Japan. Uh, was exclusive to, you know, one of their structure decks over there. Uh, that being said, 
there is going to be a series of tournaments in Japan uh, called the, Luca uh, the Lucario Hyper Rare Contests. Uh, these will be taking place from September 30th to December 31st, uh, where copies of Rainbow Rare Lucario V-Star will be awarded to the winner of each tournament. And uh, this is also how Japan's getting the full art for the first time, it looks like. Uh, yeah, this is a thing that happens every now and again. I remember back in 2020, they did something very similar, except with uh, Charizard VMAX. And uh, to my knowledge, I don't think we ever got the Rainbow Rear Charizard VMAX here in the States. So it's possible we may not get this Lucario either, but, you know, kind of just wanted to cover it at least a little bit. So if you're wanting to get your hands on one of these, um, good luck. You're going to have to move to Japan and win some tournaments. Or import it from somebody selling it after the fact. And that, uh, I mean, if the Charizards and any other, you know, high rarity Japanese exclusive cards are anything to go by, that's going to run you a pretty penny. A very pretty penny. If you want examples, there are... Uh, couple of uh, Japanese exclusive Full Art Shauna, Full Art Sightseer, I think. Uh, just go look those up. Go see how much those go for and, uh, you know, get back to us with how much money you're not spending. Mm-hmm. Fun little card coming out in Japan, though. Thought I would make our listeners aware of that. It is kind of cool that it exists, and I do I do kind of hope we get the Rainbow Rare eventually, because I, I do kind of like the way this one looks. Uh, I'm not always about the rainbow rares, but this one does look nice. Yeah, I I like it, but it's like you said, I have a hard time getting into the rainbow rares. I don't know why, I, ju I just do. It's Some of them, very few of them look good. They mostly look kind of meh to me. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, I think for me, like when I saw them in Sun and Moon, like, because that was the first time we saw them, I was like, oh my god, this is so pretty, this is so crazy. But like... You know, after you get over that initial high of it, you realize it's just like, you know, I think I would like to see the Pokemon in their color. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is yeah. why people prefer, you know, the full art trainers and Pokemon more often. I will say, though, you know, like you said, there there are a few that actually look very stunning as rainbow cards. Uh, surprise, surprise. One of my favorite examples is uh, Rainbow Rare Sylveon VMAX. I think that card just looks absolutely freaking stunning as a uh, as a rainbow rare. Oh yeah, that def that's definitely one of the ones that uh, like it really works in its favor to be rainbow. It's very thematic too. But either way, <laughs> if you want uh, rainbow Lucario V Star, good luck. And if you manage to get one, we'll bring you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> You get to be a guest for one podcast. You gotta have proof, obviously. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, of course, we're not done with uh, some incredibly beautiful cards that we're getting from Japan. Uh, we have started to see uh, some reveals from Japan's upcoming V-Star universe. This is going to be very similar to Japan's VMAX Climax set. Uh, typically, around the end of the year, Japan always gets this you know, super crazy collector set with just all these gorgeous artworks. Um, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe uh, cards from V-Star Universe are going to end up in the mini set 
that we were getting between Silver Tempest and Scarlet and Violet. Um, don't quote me on that, but that should be how things line up. Uh, we started to see a few cards come from this set. Uh, I don't... I don't know particularly how these were revealed because we usually get higher quality images than what is being displayed on uh, on Poke Beach, but you know, we'll take what we can get, I guess. Uh, some of the cards revealed: we have alternate arts for Mewtwo V Star, Leafeon V Star, which caught me off guard, and uh, Suicune V from Evolving Skies. So. Uh, I'll leave a link in the uh, episode description. Come check these out. Even though these are like the most potato card scans I've ever seen in my life, I can already tell these cards are going to be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, you can you can you can see you can make out enough of the artwork to tell that like they're all really pretty. So definitely look forward to seeing those in a higher resolution. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But between the three, which is your favorite? Ah. Uh... I don't know. Mm, I don't want to. I kind of don't want to say until I can see all of them. That that's fair. That's fair. The Suicune yeah. V and the Leafeon V Star are obscured at the bottom, so we don't yeah. know actually what the full artwork looks like. It's a. Uh, it's a little hard to tell. It's not. I don't know. Uh, probably the first one. Yeah the the Mewtwo V Star. Yeah. From what I can make out, it looks like he's like flying over something or something like that. I don't know. It looks sick. It the does Leafeon look sick. Looks sick too. See, but the, see, I'm going through all three, and I'm saying they're all too good. Yeah, they're all they're all very good options. Incredibly good. I would I would like a copy of each of them, please. Um, specifically for me, I dude, I gotta get that Suicune. That is just gorgeous. I, I've got to get that. But I also have a soft spot for Suicune, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're starting to, uh, starting to see some stuff from V-Star Universe, so uh, keep your ear to the ground for more of that. Uh, V-Star Universe will release in Japan on December 2nd, so eventually, you know, we... You know, before too long, we'll start seeing what those cards look like, so... Hang on a little longer. We've got some very, very pretty cards coming our way. Yes, we do. Now, uh, tying those balloons very tight back to the waists, coming back over to the States for a little bit, we've got the Arceus V-Star Premium Collection. It was just recently revealed. Um, this is going to be very similar to the uh, Palkia and Dialga boxes we covered recently, as well as the Zoroark box we covered in the last episode. Uh, it's going to come with a jumbo card of Arceus V-Star and a 1-1 Arceus V V-Star promo card, as well as a bunch of packs. I don't think I need to say it at this point, but I'm going to say it anyway. Buy this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's going to be good. Uh, this will release on September 30th. It'll be uh, 50 quid. So, uh, you know, make yeah. sure your wallets are ready for that. I think... Uh, I think I actually do need more Arceus, so I think I will. I mean, I was going to buy this anyway. If nothing else, for the fact that the Retro Pack looks to be Cosmic Eclipse. And uh, I, I do enjoy opening some Cosmic Eclipse, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for that for that reason alone, I'll, I'll buy this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's worth it. It's, uh, 
more Arceus, like more guaranteed Arceus is always good. It's still a really popular card. I can't see it ever not being a popular card. Like as long as it's in rotation, it's just V Star power is too good. So uh, have having a way to keep its price down is definitely good. Yeah, cool product. Absolutely. Plus another raid boss. Yeah, I'm excited for that one because if you think about it in the context of the raid format, it's not limited to how many times it could use Starbirth. So yeah. the raid boss just gets once per turn Starbirth. <laughs> yep. That that one might might be next to impossible if the raid boss player is feeling particularly jerky that day. Mm -hmm. Which uh, you know I will be. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gonna be a lot of fun though. Yeah, definitely. Hey everyone, uh, Phelan coming at you from the editing room here. I uh, have a little bit of breaking news here on this Arceus V-Star Premium Collection. It uh, literally broke the night after, or rather the, the night we recorded this segment, so I uh, didn't have a chance to go back, but I felt like it was worth squeezing in this little bit of information here. Um, we've recently learned about the Arceus Premium Collection is that this is actually going to be exclusive to Amazon, which is weird. I don't think um, we've ever seen product do that. Maybe we have. If, if, if that's a thing, let me know. Um, but I'm not familiar with any kind of product or premium collections, you know, getting the exclusive treatment from a specific retailer. Now, whether or not this means this will or will not be unavailable at local game stores, that I don't know. Um, I would imagine not, but admittedly, it's hard to say. Uh, but I thought I'd throw that little tidbit out there, you know, just in case if uh, you don't frequent a local game store or if these don't end up at local game stores, uh, you're going to want to keep your eyes on Amazon as that's where you will find this product. And from from what it seems, it'll be there only. So wanted to wanted to squeeze that in. Uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. Now, Josh, speaking of product that we're getting here on our end of the world. We have a new Ultra Premium Collection coming out. Now, if you've been keeping up with the show, I think the last two episodes I brought up this Ultra Premium Collection as we've learned more and more information about it. Basically, the only thing we didn't know up to this point was which Pokemon was going to be featured. And now we do. It's Charizard. And I feel a little dumb for not realizing it sooner. I'm not going to lie. Because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, the product description says it comes with a Pokemon V, a VMAX, and a V-Star. What Pokemon have all those? And I listed out, like, everything except for Charizard. I feel a little dumb. I got a little bit of clown makeup on my <laughs> face right now. It's alright. Either way, this will be releasing on October 28th for $120. Uh, it's going to come with three etched foil promo cards charizard v v max and v star uh the artwork for those cards is not in the poke beach article that i'm referencing but they have been revealed so just do a quick internet search and check those out they are freaking gorgeous uh but it'll come with those promos a playmat featuring gigantamax charizard 65 sleeves featuring gigantamax charizard metal coin featuring Gi gigantamax charizard uh six metal damage counter dice two metal condition markers one acrylic v star marker uh, 16 Pokemon TCG booster packs from the Sword and Shield series, a player's guide, and a code card to redeem the product 
on PTCGO. It's pretty good. There's a lot going on here. I have opened one of these before, back when, like, the, the Sword and Shield Zacian Zamazenta Ultra Premium Collection. And that was a lot of fun to open. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get this one or not. I'm still on the fence about it. Um, especially since I know that they're going to be doing a box just like this later this year with Arceus. Uh, which is a little bit more prominent for me. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if I'm going to grab this. I'm, I may save my money, but, you know, I was, you know, I got my birthday in October. Maybe I'll have some leftover birthday money. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. What about you? you? You thinking about picking this up or no? Uh, I kind of want to because, uh, for one, I'd really like to get that uh, play bat because I think that's going to look sick. Plus, I'm a huge Charizard fan, so having gold etch promo foil cards of all three that's pretty sick i mean the whole thing's pretty sick for 120 bucks uh it seems worth it to me oh yeah it's I'll, absolutely I'll it's absolutely a great price for the product um I, but the the zation and zamazenta one came with like two it came with like the the black and gold zation and zamazenta promos and basically like everything that's in here except for uh, obviously the v-star marker and no playmat and it was about the same price, and even then I was like, yeah, that's worth it. So the fact that for roughly the same price, you're getting a playmat with it too. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I'm down. So, uh, yeah, Charizard's getting more love, no surprise there, but this is a pretty awesome product. Yeah, I gotta say the aesthetic on this box real quick, like how it fades from like the blue to the orange. Oh, oh that's beautiful. I love it. I love that kind of sunset color. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that'll be the uh, Charizard Ultra Premium Collection again. That is coming out October 28th for $120. Uh, be on the lookout for that, especially if you're a collector. Charizard fans go crazy. That will be that will be a hot ticket item. Yeah, definitely. All right, but with all the product news out of the way, it's time to get into some of the things that were announced at the World Championship. Now, normally we cover the tournaments as part of our news segment, but... This is the World Freaking Championship we're talking about. We're going to save that for our main segment and try to di uh, dive as deep into it as we possibly can. So stay tuned for that. But we can go ahead and cover the news. So the first thing to come out of Worlds, and this is a pretty big one for all you competitive players out there. This is a pretty big one for me. We have this, the 2023 season schedule. So we know when all the regionals are happening. Um, there are a few that have remained, uh, or I would assume, uh, have remained unannounced, uh, because, because at the time being, uh, the schedule only has events for, uh, the North America regions, uh, Europe, Latin America, and then that's it. Uh, no Oceana event, which is, uh... You know, another region where they, they host regionals and events like this. So mm -hmm. I imagine they just don't have that finalized yet. Uh, and again, on top of that, there's also only one event happening in Latin America. So I imagine there's more that needs to be finalized there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, for Europe and the U.S., it, these look like pretty full lists as far as I can tell. Um, so check it out. Uh, there's a lot going on. 
The one thing I will say is that we don't have dates for any of the international championships. We just have, you know, time frames. So mm. we're expecting like LAIC in November, o, uh, OCIC in February, EUIC in April, and then NAIC in June, which is par for the course. That's usually when those events happen, the same months usually. But we don't have locations and we don't have exact dates. Uh, so we'll still need to keep our ears to the ground for that one uh, because... I'm going to let you know right now. I'm not missing NAIC again. Or rather, <laughs> I didn't miss it this year, and I don't want to miss it. I'm going to it again. It was so much fun. Yeah. So, I'll keep my ear to the ground for it. So, if you keep tuning into the podcast, trust me, you'll know when it when it's when it's coming around. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've got a lot of, lot, lots of regional locations here in the U.S. Uh, in order, uh, starting at September 16th. Uh, we have Baltimore Regionals, which I will be at. I am currently planning to be at that one. So if you're going to Baltimore, hit me up. Uh, Salt Lake City Regionals in October. Toronto Regionals in December. Arlington in December. San Diego in January. Uh, Orlando in uh, February. Knoxville, Tennessee, baby, also in February. That's like the closest a regional has ever been to us, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. definitely going to that one. That's that's going to be an easy one to hit. Uh, Vancouver regionals in March. Charlotte regionals in March. Uh, which I am also planning to attend. I didn't say it before, but I'm also trying to go to Orlando. Just I'm throwing this out there just so y'all are aware of where I'm trying to go. Uh, so yeah, Charlotte in March, which I'm trying to go to. Portland Regionals in uh, May, Hartford Regionals in May, and then uh, Milwaukee in June, which I'll try to go to that one. We'll see what happens. And then, of course, NAIC, which, need I need I say it again, I'm going to NAIC. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's everything that's happening stateside uh, for our international listeners. Uh, check the episode description. We will have a link to the regional schedule in the episode description, so... Check it out uh, if you know if you're in the uh, uh, any of the other regions. Check that out. Uh, also, forgot to mention they they added these two late for some reason. We're also getting uh, Peoria regionals in late September, and then uh, what was the other one they added late? And also the Fort Wayne regionals uh, happening in late March. So I don't I don't know why like those were added late. I, I don't know why that was, but, you know, whatever. Those are there. And, uh, you know, final final little bit of news on that. Uh, if you see the Peoria regionals on the website, I think it still currently says that the doors open on Thursday that weekend. That is actually not correct. Uh, they have come out and confirmed that the doors open on Friday for that, like a normal regional. So, you know, pl plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. Either way. That's uh, that's gonna be all the regionals. So 2023 season is starting, and it's starting soon. Oh, I gotta hit the ground running, man. <laughs> <laughs> Start of the new season, trying to earn that CP to go to Worlds in 2023, which we also know the location for. Mm -hmm. So following the trend of Worlds this year, Worlds will uh, once again be in international lands for us. Taking place in Yokohama, Japan, the uh, first Pokemon World Championship 
to be hosted in Japan. That's a little surprising. Yeah, this whole, uh, you know, this whole lead up to Worlds 2022, I don't think I knew this before this past weekend, but every single World Championships has been held in America. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and, and I mean, it kind of makes sense because, you know, America is large. There's a huge player base here. And it's kind of, kind of central, you know, like yeah, it's more central than trying to get uh, America, which probably does have one of the larger player bases, over to like your continent instead, just because of how big, big America is. Yeah, exactly, right? Because it's like yeah. if if you think about how the flights work, if like you're on the the east coast of the U.S., you gotta fly all the way across the country, all the way across the ocean. And then you're finally in Japan. And it's even worse for Europe. They either fly over the entire continent of Asia or they go the other way around, which would probably mm-hmm. be longer. But, yeah. and, you know, for each region you look at, save for like the Oceania region, I guess, it's a lot more difficult for the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think about it logistically, it's very easy for a lot of regions to fly to America because it's just yeah. crossing one ocean both, usually. Yeah, both sides can reach America. You gotta go over multiple places getting from one to the other anywhere else. Right, right. That being said, <laughs> I am absolutely okay with with Worlds being in Japan. I think that is incredibly awesome. Uh, it is gonna be expensive. <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at flights to Japan recently, but it is incredibly expensive. Um, so work hard for that world's invite, I guess. I don't know. Um, so yeah, not really, not really too much to say there. Worlds is going to be in Yokohama, Japan. I'm going to try to go. I am not confident that it'll happen, but I'll try. (laughs) That being said, I got a couple notes about this before, before we move on. One is a fun fact. One is a, a little mini rant. So, fun fact, Yokohama is the real-world inspiration for Vermilion City in Pokemon Red and Blue. Fun little fact there. Yeah, they even played into that because, like, they had this whole trailer for announcing the world's location in 2023. And they are like, the next world champion's gonna be... And they, like, kind of held there for a second in Vermilion City. And we're like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's Yokohama, Japan. I was like, all right, cool. Anyway... Fun little fact there. Let me get into my mini rant here. Oh boy. Y'all. It's okay that the World Championships is not in America. We've had it for how many years now? Literally, how many years? 2004 all the way to 2019? Bruh. Y'all need to chill. (laughs) (laughs) For real, y'all need to chill, right? So... Like, yeah, I get it. Like, international travel is expensive. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, we're not going to try to sugarcoat that for anybody. Um, You know, talk to any of the players that went to London. I'm sure traveling to Japan is more expensive, but London was still expensive. So, like, I get it. International travel, that's pricey. But, like, you also got to look at it this way. This is a global community, right? International players have been paying massive amounts of money to travel to the United States for years. (laughs) I mean, they they have been doing what we now have to do to travel to Worlds literally since 2004. So, first off, y'all need to chill. Secondly, I understand there's some concerns 
about travel bans and tourist bans in Japan. Uh, reasonable thing to be concerned about, but they are set to be lifted in a couple months. And I don't think Pokemon would have picked this location as the world's stage if there were any concerns of travel restrictions impeding attendance, right? I mean, like, come on, you got to think that they're aware of this, right? So that that's just my two cents, my little mini rant on it. It's okay. We're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, with that being said, we have one more news story that came out of Worlds. This is a big one. I am so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, this one's definitely the hypest thing that we have to talk about today. Yeah. If you recall from the previ- uh, couple previous episodes, we did, uh, we did report that the first batch of Scarlet and Violet cards would be revealed at the World Championships. That's nothing new. They do this every Worlds where they announce, you know, what's coming next. For the TCG, and of course, with Scarlet and Violet around the corner, that's what was on everybody's mind. So it was a pretty exciting time. Uh, in fact, it, it kind of reached like critical mass because normally we get these announcements on the first day of Worlds. Uh, Ishihara took the stage and said, I would like to save the announcements for the last day of Worlds. <laughs> so everybody that woke up early to do their reaction streams were just like, What? Oh, it was funny. Either way, uh, I think it was a good move because this is incredibly hype. We have the return of Pokemon EX to the Pokemon trading card game. An important distinction to make here. Oh, I'm not talking about black and white EX. I'm not talking about X and Y EX. Josh, we have the Ruby and Sapphire EX Pokemon. Yep. With the lowercase EX. And yes, that does actually make a difference. Those are considered two different keywords. <laughs> <laughs> this is honestly really exciting. Uh, if you recall, when we talked about this, or like when we when we knew that they were going to reveal the next mechanics at uh, Worlds this year, you and I, you know, speculated a little bit. And you'll recall one of the things I said was I hope that we take one prizers and evolve into the multi prizers. And that is exactly what the Ruby and Sapphire EX mechanic is. You take one yep. prizers and you evolve them into Pokemon EX. This is an awesome change. Like this is so good for like rule box Pokemon for a number of reasons. And I won't I won't get into everything because I think I think it would be worth our while to have a more in-depth discussion on this topic in a future episode, probably the next episode, actually, I'll be honest. Um, I do think we could have a a much deeper discussion about it, so I won't go too deep into it here. But the cool thing about evolving into rule box Pokemon is that it adds depth to your game plan, right? So one of the cards revealed, and actually I'll cover this real quick, the cards revealed are Koridon EX, Miraidon EX, Mimikyu EX, Lucario EX, and Magnezone EX. We'll touch base on some of the ones we know here in a second but they have a lucario ex so you could have you know your riolus and then the riolus could evolve to lucario ex or they could evolve to a one prize lucario like the one in brilliant stars it adds some depth not only to deck building but also to how you approach the game and how your opponent has to think about your future actions this is so good for the game and i'm so excited 
Definitely, I think a lot of people have been saying for a bit now that uh, Pokemon needs to slow itself back down. We were starting to get a little too uh, power-crept and fast there, and this is a great way to do it while still keeping the game interesting, like you said. It's going to add a lot more variety to gameplay. Yeah, and but, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned like you know having to slow the game down a little bit, because... Pokemon has slowly been taking steps to slow things down. Um, you know, we had the tag teams, which is kind of, well, okay, realistically, you know, what led to tag teams is ultimately, that's a whole thing. I could get into that, but tag teams is where things really started to become a problem, right? So then it's like, okay, well, now we have three prizes, but you have to evolve into them, you know, V to V max, and that kind of slowed things down a little bit. And then it's like, okay, now we have V-Stars. You still have to evolve into them, you know, V to V-Star. But they're two prizes now. And then, you know, they've got these extra powers to help them stand against V-Maxes and stuff. And now this is the next step. Evolving into the two prize Pokemon. If they keep going at this pace, they could potentially get us back to a one prize format. I don't expect them to do that. But I if don't they think keep they going at that case, they could. I don't think they want to take us back to a one-prize format, but I think they definitely want to get the focus off of three-prizers. Like, I think they want to keep those very limited on what they have in the format at this point that's a three-prizer. And maybe just get rid of it entirely for a while. Yeah, there are uh, very few people who think good thoughts about three-prize Pokemon. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's different, differing opinions across the board, but the general consensus is that three prizers are bad for the game. Uh, and I do agree with that, even though I like Pokemon VMAX. Um, I, I do agree that three prizers are kind of volatile for the game. Because, like, you know, you knock out two and you win, and games rarely... In, in that kind of scenario, games rarely last more than, like, four or five turns, which just seems wrong. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's one thing, but... I... Point is, I absolutely 1,000 a million percent agree with this approach. This is this is going to be awesome. Now, some of the card designers did uh, go into some of the details. Actually, this reveal was a lot more detailed than I expected it to be. I'm not going to lie to you, especially in comparison to previous re uh, reveals, where like they just show off like HP and then like nothing else. <laughs> um. There was a lot that was talked about here. So we don't know what the Mimikyu or the Lucario does. They just showed off the artworks. We can kind of see some numbers. Um, but the big thing I want to talk about with the th those three cards specifically, Mimikyu, Lucario, and Magnezone, um, is their HP stats. That's one thing we can see on each uh, card. And mm -hmm. when they mention in the reveal is that... Stage 2 EX Pokemon will have HP rivaling VMAX Pokemon. So if you take a look at Magnezone EX, in one of the shots, um, you could see that it had 330 HP, uh, which is wild for a 2-prizer. But they, they mentioned that they want to bring the game back to a position where comeback mechanics are a factor or a big deal. And, you know, stage twos are kind of in line with that. They mentioned specifically, like, hey, stage twos takes a lot more work to get these stage twos out. So the players that do will be rewarded with a Pokemon with high HP and low energy cost attacks that deal good damage. And 
you know, we can see the attacks on the Magnezone. And I mean, it's, it's ringing true. I mean, one energy, 50 times, uh, 50 damage for each energy attached to all of your opponent's Pokemon. Two energy for 220. I mean, what Pokemon does 220 damage for two energy in standard format? Don't say Palkia, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> like, no other Pokemon in standard format really gets something like that, right? Like, that's kind of wild. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's definitely, like, it's a great way to slow the game. Like, the game is so punishing, or, or it has been these days, of, like, if you draw a bad hand, it's almost an auto-loss in this format. So, I'm excited to see the game slow back down, give a little more variety to play, a little more chance for counterplays and stuff like that. I am incredibly excited for the prospect of viable Stage 2 Pokemon. <laughs> I love Stage 2 Pokemon so much, but they have not been good since early Sun and Moon, right? So uh -huh. the moment I, I, I find a Pokemon EX, or Stage 2 EX, that I really enjoy, that I think will be fun to play, and of course good, because I'm going to regionals, want to try for that Worlds invite, I, I am absolutely going to play it. Because I miss playing stage twos. Like, I, I want to go back to that. So, be on the lookout for that. Um, going back to the other cards, uh, you'll see that Mimikyu has 190 HP, which is kind of in line with Pokemon V, like standard Pokemon V. Lucario has 260 HP, which is in line with Pokemon V-Star. So, I kind of like how they've balanced the HP out amongst the different stages, like basic stage one and stage two without extending beyond what VMAXs did. Yeah. Like, I think it's good that we're not power creeping HP because even in our current format, like 330, 340 HP, that's already hard to hit. Like imagine if they extended it to like 350, 360, 370. I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> it's going to hurt. But thankfully they didn't do that. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to. Yeah, I agree, I agree. But yeah, so Pokemon EX are coming back. The last thing we got to cover, we do actually see some of the te uh, the text on Koridon EX and Miraidon EX. So Josh, pick your favorite. Read it out for me. I'll do the I'll do the Miraidon. Oh, we have the same favorite. How dare you? <laughs> I don't like the leg. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> It's legitimately enough that I've considered. I've almost given this place <laughs> off of my Violet over Scarlet. I'm so upset about it. It's so funny because you're not the only one. <laughs> it's a huge turnoff. I don't know what they were thinking. Anyway, card game. Uh, <laughs> so, the ability here is called Tandem Unit. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for two basic dot 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 Pokemon and put them on your bench. Then shuffle your deck. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, just once per turn, just being able to find two basic po That's That's a battle VIP pass. Yeah. Just once per turn. That's a free VIP per turn. That's why yeah. I actually didn't even think about that. Oh my god. That's just straight up battle VIP pass. Alright, so for the attack here, you have Photon Blaster. 220 damage during your next turn. This Pokemon can't attack. Uh, I assume we don't know energy costs yet, and that's why the dot dot dot's there. Yes, so that is one thing about both of these cards. Since they have not revealed the types for Koridon or Miraidon yet, they've left some of these things blank. So we don't know what type it is. We don't know what kind of energy it will require. And we don't know, like, 
the specifics of the ability on both of them just because mm-hmm. they don't they haven't revealed the types yet so they don't they don't want to spoil that before they're ready to announce it so i don't know uh they did reveal a pokemon in the video game trailer called uh Cyclizard or something like that uh which is like a normal dragon type it makes me wonder yeah. if either a these are part normal or b they might make dragon type pokemon its own thing or make dragon type pokemon colorless again like they were back in the day i don't know lots of speculation there and i'd just rather wait till game freak announces something (laughs) oh yeah yeah we won't know for sure until they finally say it because i you can't ever count them out on doing something completely weird because they've done it before so yeah that is uh that is absolutely true um I mean, hey, man, as long as they bring the fairy type back, man, that's all I need. Anyway, uh, we've got Coridon EX here. Again, no known type. We don't know its HP. But we have the ability Dino Cry. Once during your turn, you may attach up to two basic blank energy cards from your discard pile to your basic blank Pokemon in any way you like. If you use this ability, your turn ends. Uh, very reminiscent of Zacian V, how it had the Intrepid Sword ability, except you got energy from the top three cards of your deck, rather than from the discard pile. Depending on what stage Coridon and Miraidon are, because we don't know if they're basics or not yet, um, that could be a good ability. I think if it's a stage one, it's really good, to a degree, because like, you're going to need those early turns to discard the energy anyway. Um... But, you know, because it ends your turn, that's like one of those abilities where it's just like, hope you get use out of it in the early game, otherwise you're going to be really behind. I don't know, something to consider. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad, but it's not, it's nothing too great either. Yeah, I think if, I think if Intrepid Sword on Zation V can be really good, then I'm sure this will be really good. Yeah, it just depends. I think it's just going to depend on what else is out around at this point in time. So, of course, like, yeah. People, yeah. Yeah, we'll need to know like the specifics of, of everything else that comes in the base set of Scarlet and Violet, uh, as well as you know potential support it might give to existing archetypes. But that's neither here nor there. It's got the attack. We don't know its energy cost. Wild impact, 220 damage. During your next turn, this Pokemon cannot attack. That's actually, like, word for word. This is the same attack on Miraidon and Coridon. That's funny. Yeah, so these definitely seem like more uh, engine support Pokemon to me. And anything, unless there's going to be a tell of, like, they're going to have these big swinging EX Pokemon, but they have, like, a lot of them, like, have cooldown phases where they can't attack again. Yeah, these are definitely cards that are more than likely going to be working together. Uh, like, so, you know, kind of like the Zacian Zamazenta deck, the, you know, the Corridon Miraidon deck. That's yeah. kind of what I'm getting here. Um, and then, you know, it'd just be Tandem Unit to get the Pokemon in play, Dino Cry to get the energy, and then it's and just, it yeah, yeah, it's just doing, a, just doing a hit and run, you know, Wild Impact with Corridon. Retreating a Miraidon, Photon Blaster, retreating a Coridon, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's what I predict that kind of template will be, but again, 
we don't we don't know we don't even know what types they are so like you know if, if they end up being like crash type like okay i'll just play that in like superior v stars i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah so as much as i would love to know everything about these cards we will just need to wait for more details but that is going to do it uh i mean that's that's all we know about the pokemon ex for the time being uh, we still don't know how, when, or if the terrestrial mechanic from the video game will play into it. They did show a crystallized version of the EX logo, uh, which is different from the EX logo that appears on the cards. They did show a crystallized version of the logo at the end of the trailer, so there's probably more that hasn't been revealed about how that works. But we'll just have to wait and see. They're going to sell tiny little hats. Oh my you god! Put them on top of the card. That would actually—I <laughs> would actually be okay with that. And the hats have a special attack written on them. <laughs> oh, just make it like the spirit links from X and Y, but just have like special other properties. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. We'll have to see how they approach it. Yeah, we'll def- we'll just have to wait and see at this point. Yeah, that is going to do it for our news segment. Before I round us out, real quick, I know. A lot of cards have been revealed from Incandescent Arcana, and we have not even talked about... Oh, I think we've talked about a couple of them. But we've there's been a ton of them that have been revealed lately, and actually, I believe the day this episode goes live, by the time we all wake up tomorrow morning, uh, we should actually have the entire set from Japan. So, we're already this far into it, and we haven't covered any of them on the episode yet. So we'll try to get a YouTube video out for you guys with our thoughts on the Incandescent Arcana cards when they are revealed later tonight. But with that being said, let us know what you think of all of our news topics. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com. If you prefer email, hit us up. Let us know what you think of all of the news topics, specifically the return of Pokemon EX. I would love to hear what y'all have to say about it. Now it's time to talk about something crazy. What if we put four cards together in one and it was one Pokemon card? We talking about V Union? We're talking about V Unions today in our 60 card showcase. We have probably one of the craziest decks to come out of. I was going to say the Astral Radiance format, but honestly, I think I'm just going to say the Sword and Shield era. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we're going to be talking about Mewtwo V Union Control. Let's go ahead and get into it. Alright, so I know I say this about every 60 card showcase, but I... I'm going to say it again. I am very excited about this one. Because not only are we knocking off a new mechanic in the form of Union, V Union, we're also knocking off a brand new playstyle uh, for the 60 card showcase. We've never covered a control slash stalling list before. This will be our first time covering one of those. We got Mewtwo V Union Control. I gotta be honest, when these things came out, I don't think I was expecting the best variant of one of these cards to be a control list. Of all things. Um, 
Well, I mean, to be fair, I wasn't expecting anything from any of these, really. At least not in standard. I just didn't think any of the unions were going to be viable at all. To see one of them that's like a top deck right now is pretty cool to me. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. And I and I agree with you when these came out, you know, it was one of those things you're like, you were reading the cards and you're like, obviously these are very powerful cards, but the setup is just so much that, uh, yeah, no, you're not the only person who was not confident with these in standard. I, I wasn't either. Um, in fact, back when these came out, uh, Frosted Caribou was still doing her WDE, the Wapdown Entertainment streams. Uh, so the first one of those she had after these came out, we all agreed to play V-Union decks. <laughs> it was wild, bro. It was absolutely wild. But, you know, we, we tried our best. We are like, yeah, yeah, no, this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a lot to dedicate a 1-1 one, uh, one, one of line of four cards, and you have to get all of them into the discard, which in itself isn't quite that hard to do but the fact that you only get it once too so you have to dedicate so much time to get this one pokemon out yeah not and... to mention like you know you discard it you put it into play and then you have to get the energy onto it somehow mm -hmm. like yeah there's a lot going on there yeah and they don't they don't have hp that's like higher than vmaxes they're right in vmax range for hp in fact mewtwo is on the lower end with 310 yeah, it was one of the things, like, when the when the V-Unions came out, people were like, okay, Mewtwo is obviously the best one, but it, it just never really went anywhere until Sander, this absolute madman, the evil scientist. He <laughs> discovered this insane loop here, which is kind of the main point. So do you want to go over the loop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so let's let, let's break down v, uh, Mewtwo V-Union first. So essentially the idea of the deck is... Uh, you know, to stall the game out with some one-prize Pokemon Gormandize Snorlax from Vivid Voltage, uh, Miracle Body Miltank from Astral Radiance, kind of stall the game out with one-prizers, draw some cards, and keep your opponent from taking as many prize cards as possible until you can get the Mewtwo V Union into play. Once you get it into play, you power it up with its Union Gain Attack, one colorless, attach up to two Psychic Energy from your discard pile to this Pokemon, and then on the following turn... It is just announcing Super Regeneration, which heals 200 damage from U2V Union every single time, it, <laughs> every single turn. And then making sure you never deck out with cards like Silene, Team Yells Cheer, Palpad. I mean, wow. <laughs> like, that's yeah, all, that's all I got for it. It's, it's a lot, but uh, it's actually really strong if you get it online. Incredibly strong, and I'm glad that this is the first control list we're covering because normally control lists, you know, just inherently are difficult to play. Uh, I gotta say, if if you're interested in control, give this list a shot because this is probably one of the easiest control decks that has come out of the game in a while. Um, I, you know, I, I'm somebody that's been wanting to play control for a while but has been kind of turned off by the difficulty of playing control. Um... So yeah, control, control usually is like <clears throat> you have to play the entire game perfectly to win for the most part. It's really tight in Pokemon on how you have to play control. Yeah, they're typically very convoluted and any one miscalculation or misplay usually will break your control loop and then you're in trouble. But no, this one is uh, actually fairly simple. So, you know, as somebody who's been wanting to play a control deck for a while, 
uh, finally jumping in with this list uh, was actually pretty comfortable. I was a little a little nervous at first, but it was actually a pretty comfortable experience. Uh, so much so that I went to well, one, two, three, four, like somewhere like five or six locals with this deck, and I like went undefeated and stomped everyone at like four of those. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was, it was kind of wild actually, but, uh, yeah. So essentially, you know, you want to start things off. Probably the most important card in the deck is the Gorman Dice Snorlax. That's how you're, you're drawing through your deck, seeing as many cards as possible. Um, cause the idea to get to the loop, you would prefer to have a small deck size, obviously not small enough to where you'll insta lose if somebody plays something like Marnie, for example, but you want to have a thin deck, that way you're quickly drawing into the cards that you recycle with Silene. So like Palpad or Crushing Hammer, for example. So, you know, you're starting you're starting the game, you get the Gorman Dice Snorlax action to play, you thin your hand down as much as possible within reason, and then fill it back up with Gorman Dice, and then you just keep doing that turn after turn after turn until you can get the Mewtwo V Union into play safely. One of my favorite things about this deck is multiple win conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably notice that like, okay, well, if if the idea is to just tank hits with Mewtwo all the time, then this deck must lose to dark types, just auto lose to weakness. Uh no. Have you met my friend Miltank? <laughs> yeah, Miltank, uh, I think we've talked about this mill tank before, but obviously it's crazy. It's just, it makes it where your Pokemon V can't attack you. So obviously that's always a broken ability when something like that's around. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, I think, I mean, I guess if you want to make the argument that uh, mill tank getting, or Blissey mill tank getting second place at Milwaukee uh, just the week before NAIC was really its first breakout uh, performance, but... You know, this deck, I think, is what really put it on the map. But yeah, Miltank with that miracle body ability prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by the attacks of your opponent's Pokemon V. And of course, that covers V Union, V Max, V Star as well. Uh, really good ability, especially on a basic Pokemon. Uh, and it, of course, being a colorless Pokemon and being able to attack for double colorless energy, uh, you know, its route attack may not do a ton of damage, but if you can't hit it, it's just going to nickel and dime you, so... It doesn't really matter how much damage it does, especially if you can't knock it out. I mean, it's very common right now to play against decks that could feasibly not get past the Miltech at all, because there's just so many Vs running around. And, I mean, you can boss around it and use Cross Witchers and stuff, but if you don't have a mod that you can get to kill it, it's eventually going to win on you. You're going to run out of options, most likely, before you take the game. So it's a very scary card. Yeah, it's, and that goes back to to what I was saying, like that this deck just has multiple win conditions. Obviously, the main one, the common one, is uh, just depleting all of your opponent's resources and constantly healing with super regeneration turn after turn after turn, and then recycling the crushing hammers with Silene. You know, that's that's the most common way to do it. Get rid of the resources, force them to deck out. But the other win condition is, okay, does your deck have a way to deal with Two mill tank? How about three? How about four? Because the mill tanks can be recycled with Team Yell's Cheer and by Silene. So, you know, 
if if your deck can only get through mill tanks so many times, then they don't even need the V Union to win. They just need to get enough mill tanks out to where you can't deal with it anymore. And if you want to take it a step further, it's also got a third win condition that if you're just not doing anything, period, then the Mewtwo V Union is just going to start taking prizes. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> yeah, uncommon. It, Typically, you don't see that, but it, it can it, happen. It can swing. Yeah, it can swing. From... <laughs> I've had that happen before where it's just like, oh, I got through a turn without being hit. I have no damage. I was like, okay, well, let me just start popping off a Psy explosion here and there and, you know, just start taking a couple prizes, setting up a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. Now, the big brain play is that if you see that, you you set yourself, you take as many prize cards as you can without winning the game, and then you stall until the timer is gone, and then you take the last prize card. <laughs> that's that's the big brain play. And I, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and cover this here. Yeah, you have to be a bit of a degenerate to play control in Pokemon. I'm just going to be real with you. Take it, take it from me. I love this deck. I really enjoyed playing it. And if I wasn't so committed to the bit and playing Sylveon all the way through till it rotates, honestly, this is probably a deck that I would just take to regionals up until at least Lost Origin comes out. Like, straight up. Like, this deck is cracked beyond belief. Um, but, you know, in essence of playing control in Pokemon... You have to be cognizant of the timer. That's kind of the whole point. Because with, you know, how the time rules work in Pokemon, you know, you have 50 minutes for best of three. The idea being that if you take so long to win game one, your opponent is not going to have enough time to win game two to get the tie. Like, that's kind of the point, right? Like, (laughs) that's just how control lists work. So, yeah, it's a little bit degenerate, but, I mean... That, that's the win con. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. Uh, if you're the opponent, you just got to figure out how to win the game first. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that kind of brings up an interesting point. Um, what I always tell people and in my own deck building philosophy is that if you're worried about control, if you're worried about stall, if you're worried about mill... Don't tech for it. The The tech for those matchups is to play better. <laughs> and I know that sounds like weird and maybe a little condescending, but like when you really look at it, if you, uh, at least in my experience, if you, can tr- if you approach a control matchup differently than how you would just a normal matchup, you'll notice that you end up having more options than you might think. Yeah, so, I like, mean, you got to... Go you just got to think about it. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, I mean, a control deck, like you said, especially in Pokemon, does a lot of, like, running and maintaining a loop. And that's, like, your biggest advantage right there is you know exactly what a control deck's going to do. They can't deviate from what they're going to do because what they're trying to do is beat run control. So you already know what they're doing. You just have to figure out the most optimal moves you can make to get around that or break the loop, because if you can break the loop on a control deck, they can't really do that much back to you. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, Pokemon control especially is all about all about endgame loops. Uh, and yeah, like you said, you know, once they get to that point, the game plan is very linear. You just 
you know, if you're the control player, all you have to do is make sure you're sequencing everything correctly. Um, so, yeah, you know, you'll always have, you know, that foresight of knowing what's going to come up next. Um, and in a lot of cases, you'll know how they're going to get to that game plan, right? So you may not be able to anticipate some of the disruptive stuff, because we got a lot of disruption cards in this list as well. Of course, we already talked about the mill tank, but the Avelt Hall to discard special energy, Flannery to do the same thing as well as stadiums, uh, Avery to decrease bench size, and Sydney to discard special energy stadiums and tools from the hand. And, of course, everybody's favorite, Crushing Hammer. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Um, you know, you may not be able to anticipate when they're going to get those tools and when they're going to use them, but... You know that, like, hey, in the early game, they need to draw as many cards as possible. So let me start picking off these Snorlaxes as, as much as I can. You know, late game, they're going to be flipping a lot of coins, trying to get these loops. You know, the deck's going to be thin. Let's, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can reduce some of the cards off the top of their deck if your deck has the tools for that. Not every deck does. I, I'm aware. But you know, little things like that. You, you know, in my general approach, if I'm playing against control, I try to be as conservative with my cards as possible. Like, okay, I will not play this card unless I absolutely have to. Oh, I've got this quick ball in my hand, and, you know, I could go get a Crobat? Well, I don't need the Crobat right now. What I need is cards in the deck. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, that's kind of how you have to approach these control matchups. Now, granted, that's... I, I, I will say, admittedly, that's only going to get you so far in this list. Or playing against this deck, I, I will. I will be honest. The, this this is a pretty tight list. This is, you know, in my experience, this is this is one of the harder control loops to break. I'll be a hundred percent honest, because like, if your deck isn't outfitted to deal three hundred and ten damage, or get around a barrage of mill tanks, like what do you do, right? Like, it's it's multifaceted. It has ways around several answers, which is why this list has been so popular not only is it easy to pilot for control standards but it's you know once the loop is established it's really hard to break free from it unless of course your deck is you know filled with tech options to do so but you know the catch 22 there is is that if you're teching for this matchup then like you know you're 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 compromising your consistency in literally every other matchup you know what i mean yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. Like, I don't think control is something you can worry about taking against. It's just uh, when you play into those matchups, you just have to be playing at a hundred percent. Yeah, play at a hundred percent. I will say there are very rare scenarios where you can tech for control and not compromise your matchups, but like that's kind of rare. It's either your deck has the techs built into it just naturally, or you know. Play better, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But okay, we spent all this time talking about the loop. I don't. We haven't even like really dived into the pieces of the loop, right? So, you know, once you get your deck really thin, you got the Mewtwo in play. You're healing. How does this all work, right? So, essentially, the idea is that obviously you need to prevent deck out because if you don't, you lose. But also at the same time. You know, we're wanting to recycle crushing hammers to get as many opportunities to just absolutely demolish our opponent's board as much as possible. Put them in a position where they just can't do anything. So once you get your deck real thinned out with Gorman Dice Norlax, 
at this point, you probably want to, you know, pick up any one prizers you have remaining on the board with any leftover scoop-up nets, if you can. Uh, and then at that point, it's, okay, I've got Palpad, I've got Silene, I've got Team Yelshir. And you just loop those three cards continuously. Now, I will say, technically, it is possible for the loop to be broken if you flip enough tails. However, somebody did the math on that, and the chances of you flipping tails on Silene that many times in a row is, like, 1 in 18 million or something like that. Like, like there's a lot of coin flips involved. <laughs> but it'll happen to me. <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, so it, it's funny you say that. The last time I played this deck, I got to a position where it's like, okay, both of my pal pads are down. And if you take a look at our list, by the way, you can follow along. There is a Google Drive in the episode description. Super late for mentioning this in the segment, but check out that Google Drive link. You will see a copy of every single deck list we have covered here on the show, including the one we're talking about here today. And I have uh, I have deviated from Sanders' list a little bit. Um, you know, just threw in some extra cards here and there that I thought might be useful. Um, for example, I, I did two Team Yells cheer instead of one. His initial list only has one. And after playing it a lot, I understand why. Like, it got to the point where I started to feel like I didn't need the second one, but it was nice to have that as insurance just in case it was prized and I couldn't get the Peonias that turn or that game. Mm-hmm. Either way. So, yeah, I was in a position where I was like, okay, both of my Team Yell's Cheers are down, both of my Palpats are down, and I only have one Silene left in deck. I was like, mm-hmm. if I draw into that Silene and it's double tails, that's it. I, I, I lose. I, I The loop is broken. <laughs> it was close. Now, the game, my opponent decked out before we got to that point for me to discover if I was going to transcend the laws of statistics. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, honestly, I probably would have been worth it just so I could tweet it out and be like, yes, I had the one in 18 million chance happen to me today. <laughs> Either way. So, yeah, you'll thin your deck. And then it's all a matter of uh, restocking your deck with Crushing Hammer and Pal Pads with Silene, and then putting the Silenes back in your deck with the Pal Pads and the Team Yells Cheer. You can do it enough times, you'll flip enough heads, I guarantee you will flip enough heads to loop those cards consistently, unless you're unlucky and flip just an ignoramusly amount of number of tails. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is an odds game. There, there's always a chance you can lose the odds game, but it's it's very unlikely. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, other than that, I mean, the rest of the list is, you know, cards to make sure we keep Pokemon in play, cards to make sure we can discard our hand, so things like Quick Ball, Ultra Ball, the like, uh, cards to help us barrel through the deck, like Puku Muku from Fusion Strike, which has the Pitch of Puku Muku ability, or as I like to say, Pitch a Puke, uh, which just once during your turn allows you to reveal it from hand. Put it at the bottom of your deck, draw a card. We have Trekking Shoes. Look at the top card of your deck. If you want, add it to hand. If not, discard it and draw another card. You know, all these little cards to help us get that much further through the deck. Just so we can get to that endgame loop and to form the V-Union as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, like... The biggest weakness of this deck is forming the V Union. So you 
that's probably I would say the hardest part to figure out the first couple po times you're playing is just figuring out how to like get all of your union parts in the discard like consistently and easily without wasting too much time. Yeah, it 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 is a little awkward to figure out at first, um, mm -hmm. especially especially if even just one of those pieces is prized, it becomes that much harder. Mm -hmm. because then you're sitting here like, okay, well, I need to barrel through my deck, but then you're also like, I gotta be looking out for Peonias now because, you know, I need to play Peonia. And in the case that there's only one piece prized, you play Peonia, and you pick up the, you know, three prize cards, and you miss the piece, and then you're just like, okay, well, I need to play Peonia again. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, that can be incredibly awkward, and, and I've uh -huh. lost games that way before. I was playing against uh, a Shadow Rider deck once, and, you know, things were going well, but I had one piece prized, and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get things set up fast enough, and eventually got to a point where I was just like, I, I'm out of Pokemon. Uh, I was an idiot, and I accidentally discarded the mill tank I needed, and I can't recycle it this turn. Like, I'm out of Pokemon, right? So, like, you know, those mm -hmm. are the the rookie mistake type pitfalls you can you can run into playing this deck and you'll be surprised there's a lot of tiny little pitfalls like that that you'll run into but you'll you know playing this deck for the first time you'll you'll find those pretty quickly and you'll be able to work around them as so I was like okay I remember that scenario I needed this this happened let's try to play this differently you know you it, it's pretty easy to work out the kinks yeah I mean at the end of the day uh, this is pretty sick like it's Val it's like meta control, which control hasn't been very good in Pokemon for a while. Yeah, not so. basically not since like 2019, 2020, probably. Mm -hmm. It is nice to see the uh, archetype coming back and doing so well and thriving. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like you said, it's been a while, and you know, we we here firmly firmly agree that you know control is part of a healthy meta game and. Uh, you know what? Honestly, it shows, right? Because, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the big things with the Astral Radiance and Pokemon Go formats is that, yeah, Palkia has just kind of been running the tables, and people have had a hard time trying to get around that. Well, you're trying to get around Palkia. Honestly, Mewtwo V Union is a great deck for it. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think this was like the second or third most represented deck at day one of the World Championships. Like there were a lot of people hedging their bets on this, and I was too. Honestly, I thought I thought it was a fantastic pick for the event. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, definitely. Like, if you're new to card games in general, or just new to Pokemon, if you've never played Control, uh, definitely. I always think everyone should play Control because it's just so different than like playing most other types of decks. It's I don't know, like you're playing a completely different kind of game, and it's always a lot of fun, to me at least. I'm a huge control player. I love playing blue and magic, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so. it's it's definitely good, like, you know, to get that perspective. Like, even if you're not a big fan of it, like, piloting the deck and understanding how it works is going to help you better approach the matchup, like, when you play against it. So, like, you have nothing, nothing but benefits if you just stop every once in a while to pick up control, especially when it's good, like this. Yeah. Especially when it's, like, the only pretty valid way you're going to get to use a V-Union in Standard right now. 
I mean, you could always just make a V-Union deck, but... Uh, it probably won't do. Probably won't be, like, a top three world's contender like this one. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, the attacking V-Union decks, they do exist. I, I've seen, like, Arceus Mewtwo lists, and, you know, they do well in online tournaments, but there there's just enough weaknesses there that it's just one of those things where it's just like, eh, a lot of people aren't going to be confident running that, but... Yeah, no, just being able to play control with such a unique card in Mewtwo V Union, first off, is just really cool. <laughs> like, like you're yeah. watching the matches and there's just this pile of cards and you're just like, oh my god, somebody's actually using that thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would have loved to have been at the first event where this just dropped. And... Someone's reaction when they saw that first uh, that first V Union card hit the discard and realize what they were playing against. Oh my goodness, I would have loved to see that person's face. I I was lucky enough to watch Sander's first stream game at NAIC. Like I finished my round fast enough, I got up and I walked over to the to the staging area and I was like, Why is there a V Union on the board? <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And I looked at the overlay and I saw Sander and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, what? what is he cooking? <laughs> but speaking of Sander, I did want to actually cover one other change I made from his list. Uh, his list at NAIC was playing Rose Tower. You know, if you're thinning your hand down as small as it can get, Rose Tower is a great stadium just to help you draw a few extra cards. Um, and that's still definitely a good pick for the list. I, you know, I would not blame you at all for, for going that direction. I decided to experiment with Pokestop in the list. Kind of the same concept, except you don't have to thin your hand down to use it. You discard the top three cards of your deck. And if, uh, those three cards, or if any of those cards are items, you can add them to your hand instead. Uh, and I gotta be honest, that was actually cracked. Like, very rarely... Did I activate Pokestop and just sit there being like, oh, I wish I wish I didn't discard that. Because a lot of your deck is going to end up in the discard pile anyway. That's kind of the point. Because it's like, oh, a Pokemon hit the discard? Okay, I'll just recycle it with Team Yell's Cheer later. Oh, Supporters hit the discard? Well, I was going to recycle that with Palpath later anyway. Items? Cool, I get to add that to my hand. Crushing Hammer, Quick Ball, Ultra Ball, you know, thin my deck some more. Energy? Well, I was going to accelerate that into play with Union Gain later anyway, so... <laughs> a surprising amount of synergy with the Pokestop. You do have those awkward moments, uh, you know, where it's just like, oh, I needed that specific supporter next turn, and I accidentally discarded it with Pokestop. Uh, oops. <laughs> so you'll have awkward moments like that, but for the most part, I think it's actually been really great in the list, and I uh, would recommend you to try it out. Yeah, I think it's really hard to play a list like this, though, and not have some kind of awkwardness. <clears throat> that is the downside of control, and it's uh, this is like every card game, in my opinion. There's a little bit of awkwardness, because you're not trying to win the game through conventional means most of the time. So, there's usually always little hurdles, like you said, that you'll find yourself having to like figure out how to get around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably the biggest hurdle is... Somebody who knows the matchup. Uh, even if they don't have like any outs to break the loop or anything, uh, if they know the matchup really well, that could end up in a tie for you, for y'all like not finishing the first game, 
or them like running away with the second one before you've had the chance to stall them out or whatever. Um, so if if you're the kind of player that would just rather avoid ties entirely, control is not for you because you the one big problem with control in Pokemon is that you run a very high risk of getting a lot of ties, which for like your local is just like whatever. But, you know, if you're trying to take this to regionals or ICs or something like that, like, if somebody knows the matchup, that is probably going to end in a guaranteed tie. And that's a problem, you know, especially if you're trying to go further in the bracket. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's not that it, it's something you just have to figure out how to get around because, like, as this deck gets more popular, obviously more and more people are going to know the matchup. So I do think this is a deck that particularly gets harder to play as time goes on because, like, other decks, you know what other decks do, but they're usually just trying to attack you or something like that to win. And that's a lot easier to play around than, like, control. Control's a lot easier to interrupt or try to get in the way of just because you're trying to play differently. At least early game when you're trying to get set up. Yeah, I, I always tell people that the hardest part about control is not the loop itself. It's getting to the loop. That in and of itself is the real meat and potatoes of the game. If you can get into the loop, then chances are you've won. Like that, you know, that's just how control works in Pokemon. It's not always a guarantee. Sometimes the loop breaks, but, you know, if if you get to the loop in Pokemon, usually that means you've won. So, it's it's just a matter of getting there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I think we've covered this deck pretty well. Is there any last mentions you want to bring up here? Uh, yeah, one, one last little thing. I, this is kind of an important card. I, we probably should have mentioned this earlier, is the Cook. Cook is broken. You could sub this in for Pokemon Center Lady if you want, but, you know, if you're wondering, like, okay, if I deal more than 200 damage, eventually I'm going to whittle down the Mewtwo V-Union, right? Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just attach Choice Belt to my Arceus V-Star, deal 230, eventually I'll get there. No, that's where Cook comes in. So, you know, you hit for 230, I heal 200, you hit for 230, oh, I'm at 60? Cook, now I'm healthy again. <laughs> yeah, so a very important card in the list. I wanted to mention that specifically, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's going to be Mewtwo v Union. Honestly, like I said, this is just so much fun. <laughs> I've actually, like I said, like I've been trying to, wanting to break into playing Control for a while, and I knew, I knew the day I picked up a Control deck would be dangerous because I knew I was going to have fun with it, and that would probably end up being like just what I become is like a Control player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a list I still want to build in paper. I never, uh, I haven't built it yet. I've got pretty much everything except the Snorlaxes, which me and you've talked about. But uh, I still want to build this list and play it. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely not a very expensive list at all. The most money you're going to be spending is probably, I mean, the Snorlaxes and the V Union. The build tank's not bad. It's like two or three bucks. I think the last time I checked, if, if even then, like that, every, honestly. Yeah, everything else in this deck is pretty cheap. Yeah, so, we're talking like less than a dollar type cheap. Except for the scoop yeah. up nets. Those will run you like two or three dollars. <laughs> oh, woe is the scoop up net. Like. Oh, woe. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I mean, it's a good, like, not very super insanely expensive deck. That uh, It's very good right now. And it's a completely different play style. 
if whatever you're currently playing right now you're getting a little bored of and want to take a break, I think this is like a perfect option. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's still viable too. But yeah, no, I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned its price point because that's that's another thing about control decks and Pokemon. They're almost always extremely cheap and I love that. <laughs> Like I don't, I I don't think there's been a single control list in Pokemon that's been like exuberantly expensive. Like they're always cheap. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, you got a good budget option there. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that behind us, we I think we got something pretty exciting to talk about for our main discussion this week. Yeah, the World Championships finally. I mean, like. It felt like it It took forever for us to get there, and then that weekend blew by in a flash. I mean, the the World Championships we haven't had since 2019. It was absolutely electric. So many people in attendance, so many people out there striving to become the champion. And man, yeah. what a tournament it was. It was amazing. And I mean, you got to give a huge shout out to how crazy this event is, because... Some people might forget, but this is the Pokemon Championship. It's not just for TCG. It's for, like, every aspect of Pokemon. It's, like, a, such a crazy event. Oh, yeah, of course, you know, we've got VGC, we've got Pokemon Tournament, but for the first time uh, as well, we had World Championships for Pokemon Go and Pokemon Unite as well, uh, which I know is a big deal for those communities specifically. And I support all the Pokemon games, man. I, I try to watch the finals for as many of them as possible, in fact, I was watching the Unite Finals on my lunch break at work today. I got like halfway through it. I was like, wow, these guys are playing the game. And like, I've not seen people play Unite this way. Is this what professional play looks like? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, one thing I do want to tell everyone to go look at is apparently the competitive Pokemon Go. I, I've been oh, wanting so to look hype. at it for myself. Yeah, but like people keep telling me, including Phelan here, that apparently competitive Pokemon Go is insanely hype. So, like, check that out, because I need to, because it sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, check out the finals for, for all the games, because really they all deserve it, and they're all, and they're all hype in their own way. But we got to stay on track here. We've had a massive amount of players in the TCG event, and some pretty interesting turn of events, so let's go ahead and look at it. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. The Pokemon World Championships 2022. Three years in the making. Finally making it out to London. And man, what a crazy weekend it was. Just high-level play all across the board. And it was just like... Uh, if, you all, if you all listened to the last episode, I just could not stop saying, I am so excited for Worlds. Like, I just... I, I just... I was over the moon ready to watch the action take place. And uh, I got to say, I was not disappointed at all. Of course, not only did we have the World Championships 2022, but we also had the London Open, the first event for the 2023 season. Um, so, you know, any any attendee that managed to sign up for that that maybe didn't qualify for Worlds this year had a chance to play and earn some early CP for the 2023 season. And we'll get into that Uh but we gotta we gotta start with the championship first. I mean, the big main event that the last three years was building up to, and we have at least the top sixteen. And I gotta say, a little bit of behind the scenes for y'all here, Josh. I'm glad that we cut our recording session short yesterday because yesterday uh-huh. we did not have the winners list and we did not have top sixteen. We only had top eight. Mm-hmm. Now we have top sixteen and we have. 
the winning list. So, <laughs> lucky break there. <laughs> so, let's start this off like we always do. Josh, we have the top 16. Outside of the top 8, what 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 attracts your attention? Uh well, I mean, obviously two decks in particular. The uh the lone fire type in a sea of water. <laughs> the Charizard and Teleon at fifteen played by Ross Copter just standing ground. <laughs> yeah. Just... <laughs> Allying <laughs> himself with the water himself. Yeah, the only way to get in playing <laughs> Teleon. Uh I mean obviously that uh I think it's really cool because Charizard and Fire have not been good for a while. So it's surprising to me that I saw that it's like made it this far. Uh, definitely happy to see it, but I feel like this might be a case of like where just a really good player playing like a, a decent deck that no one was expecting might have just like slipped on in. You know what I mean? Not saying that obviously he didn't play very well because he got 15th at Worlds, but right. right. I don't, yeah, I just feel like the Charizard, I don't know, it's very surprising to see it here. Even more so than the other deck that I thought was uh, pointed to with Arceus Agron. That one I've actually seen around a little bit more, and it is kind of crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, the Arceus Agron caught me by surprise. But I, I am glad that you mentioned uh, the Charizard and Teleon list. Uh, of course, revolving around the Radiant Charizard from the Pokemon Go set essentially just trying to recycle that as an attacker as many times as possible. And of course, it gets easier and easier to set up the more and more prize cards your opponent takes. Uh, very novel idea for a deck. I know this was like one of the first lists that like Tord was testing after Pokemon Go came out. Um, and we all knew it was good. I'm not sure if I was expecting it to get this far, but I, w I remember seeing the list and being like, Wait, hang on. That's that's kind of wild, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely would not have put it as a top 16 contender, but uh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Here it is, all in its glory. I mean, such a, such a creative list, right? Like, I think, I think more commonly people would just be like, oh, I mean, it would be cool if I could use it, you know, multiple times over, but it's a Radiant Pokemon. I can only have one. Only going to be able to recycle it so many times, but of course you get some creative players creating deck lists like this, like, no, 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 no. I don't care if I'm only running one Radiant Charizard. I am going to attack you with this as many times as possible, and you are not going to stop me. <laughs> so it was yeah, just, it's just really cool to see. Now, moving up to 13th place, Adam Hawkins playing Arceus Aggron. This just came out of absolute freaking nowhere, at least for me. Like... I you know, I was just scrolling on Twitter. People are, you know, oh, Worlds are so great. They're posting their lists and everything. I saw this. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, Adam Hawkins, you know, congratulations to him. Placing 13th with Arceus Agron at Worlds. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, like, where was this? Where was this all season? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely feels like <laughs> someone like figured out the tech. And he just held on to right to when that mattered to play this deck. Yeah, and I mean, if you break things down, I mean, the Aggron VMAX uh, for 5 energy. Granted, that's a hefty commitment, but 5 energy doing 270 damage. 
Uh, I mean, you throw in a Zigzagoon, that's 280. Choice Bell puts you at 300, 310 with the Zigzagoon. So, like, I mean, you hit all the right numbers. You know, 310 for VMAX is 280 for, for V-Stars. You hit all the right numbers. Um, and, of course, you're not worried about Path and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, this in and of itself is a Marnie Path deck, which I find hilarious. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, yeah, wow. It It works. <laughs> What more can I say? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that fire weakness is really nice because besides the one Charizard deck we saw, obviously, yeah, uh, very, very not worried about running into any fire in this format. So you're pretty safe. Yeah, that's HP. Yeah, that is a good point. You know, a lot of the format is revolved around weakness right now. You know, we're trying to hit Palkia for weakness. We're trying to hit Arceus for weakness. We're trying to hit Mew for weakness. You know, it, that's kind of a big part of the metagame right now. So if you can roll up and say, hey, I'm weak to fire. Uh, not really anybody's playing fire types these days. You get the, you know, you get the the stray, you know, Inteleon box deck playing the Radiant Charizard. You get the stray Arceus Charizard V Max deck every now and again. But, you know, I if if I was queuing up for a regional or any tournament of any variety and I was taking a calculated risk on not running into a fire type deck, I'd be pretty confident with those odds. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. Well, let's go ahead and break down the top nine. And yes, I did say top nine because we actually had a, a, a brand new, I guess, kind of change to the to the how Worlds does top cut this year. Uh, essentially to get rid of the fact that somebody might bubble out of top cut, you know, tie on points and then it comes down to resistance. Now, of course, we did see that happen with uh, Otavio Gueva and Calvin Connor. They did actually get the same amount of points. So in Worlds formats prior, that would have been, you know, a bubble based on resistance. Instead, what they did was a consolation match. Uh, eighth and ninth seed had to play it out. And whoever won the series got the eighth seed and top cut and got to continue forward. So... I do appreciate that initiative, by the way, making the bubble feel way less bad uh, than previous years, where it's just like, oh, I got bubbled out of top cut at the World Championships? That kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. I, you know, good change there. I mean, definitely, I uh, whoever's place is number eight might like, think differently, but <laughs> I think it's uh, the fairest way to go about it if there's ever that scenario. Just... Because that obviously like means they both deserve to be there, and it would really suck just to not get in on such technicality without even getting a chance to prove yourself. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent agree. I gotta say, I was rooting for Calvin to get in there, as you know, he would have been the lone U.S. representative at the world's top cut, but unfortunately, wasn't able to pull it out. Hey, no big deal. You'll get him next year. But uh, either way, let's go ahead and break down the top nine here. So, in ninth place, we've got Calvin Connor. From the United States playing Palkia and Teleon. Eighth place, Otavio Gueva from Brazil playing Palkia and Teleon. Seventh place, Kaiwin Kababe from Australia also playing Palkia and Teleon. Sixth place, Andre Chiasin from Canada playing Mew, the only Mew representative we have in Top Cut. I don't know why I feel like I need to point that out, but that's the case. Uh, fifth place, we got Andrew Estrada also from Canada playing Palkia and Teleon. Fourth place, James Cox from Australia, playing Palkia and Teleon. 
Third place, Ryota Ishiyama from Japan playing Arceus Flying Pikachu. Second place, Daichi Shimada from Japan playing Arceus Flying Pikachu. And then first place, your world champion, Andrej Skubal from the Czech Republic also playing Arceus Flying Pikachu. The anti-meta reigns supreme. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, this entire top cut, not a single surprising deck in here. Uh, this is this is pretty much exactly what I guessed it was going to look like. Is a whole bunch of Palkia, and the stuff that's countering Palkia being in the top. Because, unfortunately, if you decide you're going to play the top deck, you're going to play against people that counterplay the top deck. And when you get to this like level of players at this high... You know, the top bracket at Worlds. Uh, that's really scary to be playing weakness into someone with that player skill sitting across from you with the like distinct advantage. And I think it shows exactly here how much of an advantage that is. Yeah, with all of the Arceus Pikachu players placing above all the Palkia players. I, you know, it was kind yeah, of it, a, it's kind of one of those foregone conclusion it, things, unfortunately. Yeah. And exactly one, two, and three, so they literally ate the pond and then ate themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that that's exactly how it went down. But I, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because, uh, you know, this this top cut really brings some interesting perspective, uh, to to the, our current standard format, uh, which is actually relevant because this will be the format we play in at Baltimore. So if you're going to Baltimore, you try to read into this like I do. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it brings up something interesting, right? There were a lot, and I mean a lot of people gunning for Palkia at the World Championships. Like I said in the 60-card showcase, Mewtwo V Union Control was one of the most represented decks in day one, and that has a great matchup against Palkia. There was a lot of Arceus Flying Pikachu. There were a lot of these one-prize box decks playing Lightning types. There were these crazy Vicavolt decks, Vicavolt Ludicolo, like... God, imagine imagine getting hit for 150 damage and being item-locked in the same turn. <laughs> like, you know, a yeah. lot of people were gunning for Palkia, and yet four of them made the top cut. And if you want to go down, you know, to the, to the play-in match, ninth place, that's five Palkia players that still managed to fight their way through all of the counters to make it to the top echelon of the bracket. I mean, how crazy is that? Oh, it definitely is, and it goes to show you the skill of the people piloting these decks, because, like you said, pretty much everyone at this tournament was gunning for anybody that had a Palkia in their, like, in their deck, so very impressive to see how many of these people made it to the top of the brackets, and goes to show how good these decks are, because even while countering them, they are still able to stand on their two feet and reach back. Yeah, I think that's the big key takeaway here is that, yeah, with that many people gunning for Palkia at the World Championships and the fact that this many made it this far, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't care if there's a hard counter to the deck out there. That doesn't stop this deck from being good. You know, it, it's, it's still going to come out and come out on top. Just, you know, it's not like it's an auto win type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it just as the I'd say like the first day too. it's just like. So many of those decks that are trying to, like, oh, I built my deck perfectly to counter Palkia, blah, blah, blah. They get eaten in pools, like, really early because they're playing against other people kind of doing the same thing. And their deck's, like, 
don't do that well against each other, and it just turns into a lot of those people getting eaten out because they went with these like inconsistent routes into anything else besides Palkia. Yeah, the the classic pitfall of uh, building an anti-meta deck. You you anti the meta so hard that you end up compromising every other matchup. Sometimes you can't help it, but there sometimes you can build an anti-meta deck to to function in every matchup. Which, uh, uh, Flying Pikachu, which both me and Fan have talked about multiple times, we both kind of agree Flying Pikachu is that. It's the anti-meta deck that can still do okay into most other matchups. Yeah, I have uh, I have been thinking very, very heavily about the World Championships after it concluded, mostly because I'm going to Baltimore and I have to play in this format, but I've been thinking very heavily about it, and... You know, we saw Arceus Flying Pikachu win in NAIC, uh, and how it was... And, and Azul even said this to himself. He was like, yeah, uh, this deck was built specifically for the meta that was going to be present at NAIC. He had the Flying Pikachu to cover the Palkias. He had the Crobat VMAX to get around the Muse. And then in every other matchup, it was just a standard Arceus deck, right? Like, it was scientifically perfectly built for that microcosm of a metagame, right? So a lot of people were like, okay, this is a fun little anti-meta deck, but, you know, it's not going to be super crazy. What's interesting about these top three in the World Championships is that they've built Arceus Flying Pikachu in such a way that, in all honesty... And, and maybe this is a hot take. I, I, if y'all want to consider this a hot take and roast me on Twitter, I, I welcome it. But I got to be honest, I, with the way these players have built this deck, I think Arceus Flying Pikachu is actually the best deck in format. I'm not going to lie. I think, it's, I think it is the BDIF. Okay, well, since we're already talking about it, let's go ahead and give us some examples of why you think that. Let's just go ahead and start looking at these top lists. Yeah, so... We usually use it bottom-up, but... Yeah, we kind of, we kind of got talking just about how good yeah. Arc Flying Pikachu is. Let's <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go ahead. I'm actually going to use uh, Daiichi Shimada's list as an example. Andrej Andrej Skubal's list is great. I mean, obviously, it won the World Championships. His list is great and you know covers a lot of the same bases that I'm about to cover here. But the Japanese lists that Daiichi and um, and uh, Ryota played kind of take it to that next level and kind of cement this for me as why I think the list is so good, right? So first off, Arceus. I mean, the, the card is cracked. Uh, we don't need to make any... We don't need to waste any time there. Arceus is a ridiculously good card, but it's everything surrounding this, right? So when you think about the things you want to counter, or when I think about the things I want to counter in the Astral Radiance meta, I think, okay, I want to counter Palkia. I want to counter Arceus and Teleon. I want to counter Mew. Might even want to counter Control, right? Like these are the thing these are the matchups that I personally am, am more concerned about than anything else. This list that the Japanese players played covers everything. It covers every base and I can't think of a single matchup in the top 20% of decks that this deck would struggle against. So let's break it down here. You got the Flying Pikachu, pretty obvious, that's going to cover Palkia. Um, with these Arceus Flying Pikachu decks, you're able to keep your bench pretty small. So Palkia is not going to deal a lot of damage while you one-shot them in return. So that's really good. And of course, Flying Pikachu also offers some protection against 
Reggie's. It offers some protection against uh, Lunar Rock or, you know, things of that nature. So that's just an added bonus that the Pikachu has. Uh, the Japanese players are also playing the Jolteon from Vivid Voltage with the Thunderous Awakening ability. So in the event that you're playing against uh, any deck with the Inteleon engine, which is, you know, a lot, <laughs> you're going to be able to shut off their abilities. And while it may not be the most consistent thing in the world, that's why we have Starbirth. And one thing I would like to note, I do actually really appreciate that uh, they've included the EV from Astral Radiance. With yeah, the, I was put that note. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of big brain. Mm-hmm. With the ability Resonant Evolution once during your turn, when you play a Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your other EV, you may search your deck for a card that evolves from this Pokemon and put it onto this Pokemon to evolve it, then shuffle your deck. So by getting one Jolteon into play, by evolving the other EV, you get to activate this ability and evolve this one immediately as well, giving you two Jolteons right there. So it's not like your opponent can be like, okay, boss KO, now I have my abilities back. No. You've got the two Jolteons. You put yourself in a position to where you can have two Thunderous Awakening abilities activated at the same time, which is so much harder to get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jolteons is a really powerful pick. Followed up with like this Hysterian Decidueye, which is like, Almost no one else was playing, and I was a little surprised when I first saw this, because I do think this card's kind of cracked. Yeah, Hisui and Decidueye has kind of appeared in counter decks like this, but more so, like, geared around Tapu Koko or, like, its own deck, and it's never really, like, taken off, but when you put it in with Flying Pikachu, I mean, it just fits in with this perfect toolbox to counter the meta, because you have... Hisui and Decidueye V with its close quarter shooting attack that ignores all effects on your opponent's Pokemon. So there's your Miltank counter right there. So, you know, tally it up. You're countering Palkia, you're countering Inteleon, you're countering Miltank, the Decidueye V-Star, its attack, Somersault Feathers, fighting double colorless, deals 160 damage, and you can deal an additional 30 damage by discarding up to 3 energy from your hand. Granted, you don't even need to do that because just dealing the base 160 is going to be enough to one-shot an Arceus V-Star. So we're countering Palkia, Inteleon, Miltank, Arceus, and then you have the Galarian Moltres in here as well as a little extra coverage to counter Mew as well as uh, V-Union Control. I mean, what more could you ask for from a deck? And that's not even that. Like, you have more on top of that, like I mentioned before. The Flying Pikachu protects you from Reggie's. It protects you from the Lunar Rocks. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen an anti-meta cover this many just meta-defining archetypes in one list. I mean, how do you counter this? (laughs) Like, it's got answers for everything. And everything it doesn't have answers for, it can just brick with Morny Path. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like it's pretty no, consistent. I do have to agree <clears throat> agree with you here that uh while our format still resembles what it is, or is pretty close to this, I, this is one of, if not the probably the best decks you can play right now, because like Valen said, you have an answer for pretty much everything in the deck, and it like works well together. So this is a very scary list. <laughs> 
I wouldn't expect to see this list in particular or variations of it uh, floating around after this turn after this world's. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I was I was talking with a couple players at the locals, uh, and uh, you know, friend of the show Richard Sepulveda. We had him on episode five uh, as a guest. I was talking with him about it. He's like, "Dude, screw it, man. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna play the world's list to, to tournaments." Like, I mean, it's it's so good. Why not? And we started talking about it, and I was we were just like, "Yeah, how do you counter this?" Because it's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like the same problem we had with Palkia, right? Palkia comes out and people are like, okay, how do we counter this? Well, it's weak to lightning. What are the lightning type attackers we have in format? And they're like, um, they're all bad except for Arceus Flying Pikachu. So people started playing Flying Pikachu and that's why Pikachu became good. So naturally, we come to this point like, okay, how do we counter Pikachu? Oh, it's weak to lightning. Oh, and it can make itself immune to basic Pokemon? Which, like, every other Pokemon you might consider for lightning weakness is a basic Pokemon. So you're just sitting there like, oh, oh, this just got a lot harder. How do we counter this? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, it's, it's a valid question. And one that at least I, I don't think I have an answer to it. Uh, the, the honest answer is if you want to counter this deck, you have to play this deck. Yeah, I mean that that's the best I can come up with at least for the time being. If if you want if you want a shot against it, I mean, now granted, it's not to say that you like auto lose to Palkia Arceus Mew control if you run into this. You know what I'm saying? Like those aren't auto loss matchups. You can still win those matchups, but it's going to be hard because they have the answers to deal with you, right? So, but yeah, it, I mean, if you want to have an easy time with this deck, I'm not sure that exists because, yeah, like Josh said, the best chance you have is play the mirror match. But at that point, you know, it's who swings first, who's going to give up three prizes first. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this weird, like, Cold War situation almost. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I see a flying Pikachu over there. I got a flying Pikachu, but I don't I don't want it to get return KO'd at all. Like, you know, that's three prizes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely uh, very, very good list and i'm surprised a little bit i guess that uh it it was literally at worlds where we saw what i think is probably peak flying pikachu it's like it's kind of amazing to watch this list just pop into the meta and just get refined so fast into this to taking worlds but kind of out of left field because at first uh pretty much everyone's money was just on palkia no one was even like considering other decks really taking worlds yeah everybody's money was on palkia v-star and arceus v-star which i actually do want to mention no arceus and Teleon in the top cut which i think caught a lot of people off guard i think you know if you go back to our last episode i said my number two pick for worlds was arceus and Teleon. i was very confident that it was going to do well as were a lot of people and it just didn't and you know what I'll give. I'll tell you why. Small rant. I'll tell you why. It's because y'all took Dunsparce out of your deck. I don't know how you roll up to Worlds with literally every content creator on the planet saying, "Oh, Arceus players have stopped using Dunsparce," and think people weren't gonna pick up on that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm sure that's a hundred percent part of it. <laughs> Is uh. It's it's one of those things that we've talked about multiple times. There's certain there's certain cards in this format that 
when they're not popular, people sleep on it, and then when people sleep on it, that's when it comes back. And if you're not smart enough to know that trend, and be like, alright, people have been sleeping on this card for too long, people are starting to play this again, I need to go ahead and put this back in my deck and respect it, instead of taking the chances. Because definitely, you will get burned if you try to take the chances. Yeah, and I, I gotta imagine that's what happened here, because, you know, when when we looked at Arceus Flying Pikachu at NAIC, and if you go look at all the online tournaments prior to the World Championships, it was basically Azul's list from NAIC, right? Like, that's just what, yeah. pe- that's just what people thought Arceus Flying Pikachu was. So, I, I imagine that a lot of the Arceus and Teleon players were not expecting the Decidueye to just roll up and be like, hey, uh, by the way, one shot. <laughs> yeah, definitely that, and this might be a hot take for me, but I think the Inteleon engine is, like, worse now than it's ever been, just because uh, one of the biggest factors of the Inteleon engine is you're able to search your deck for any card you want and get an advantage over on your opponents. It's, like, a huge scary thing, and it's definitely, like, felt insanely strong. And it still is really strong, don't get me wrong. It's strong, but by this point, we've, like, we, as, if you go to any kind of event whatsoever, you're playing against Inteleon. People have played against that engine for so long, it's... People have figured out how to get around it, and I don't think it's nearly as powerful as it used to be. Yeah, I, I will agree with you there, uh, to a point, because, yeah, it's it's an engine that people have been using since Evolving Skies. It's very powerful. Probably one of the best engines that the, the, the TCG has ever seen. Like, I, I won't dispute that, but... Well, I mean, it's that, it's that and it's also, I think, compounded with the fact that its weaknesses have really like bled through the more refined other search engines in the game has come like the first was when like rcs came and then we have like super consistent draw with the barrel now you know there's all these other ways that you can consistently get cards in your hand and just if anyone's played an inteleon engine deck you know how much it hurts a single turn you're not dropping that drizzle or inteleon or if it's that start of the game you're not getting that sobble down if you brick one time on getting any one of those especially early game you hurt yourself really bad exactly yeah it's that you know that's kind of been the one thing people have discovered about the inteleon engine as it's evolved is that yeah it, you know sometimes you just don't get the pieces in play and then you're just not you know I mean, if you miss turn one Sobble, I mean, it's almost a guaranteed loss, almost. Not always, but, like, you know, it, it'll be rough in a lot yeah. of scenarios. And it, yeah, th- that, kind of, be... that kind of, like, you know, gambling, I guess, on that turn one at the World Championships, that could cost you. It, it really can. It's a lot easier to brick yourself than you think, because the biggest advantage of Inteleon is it's, weaknesses you're running a lot of one prizers you're able to tech for like some more like uh tight situations because you can pick any card you want out of your deck basically you you're able to get what you need when you need it for the most part but because of that if you miss any part of that engine you're probably not going to get an answer that helps you and while granted like someone that's using like the barrel for example they might not get exactly what they need but they're seeing a lot more cards than you per turn for the most part so they're probably more likely to find a way to get into what they need because inteleon you're relying on inteleon to get in what you need you either need that a way to get to an evolution for a drizzle or you need a scoop up net to restart a line 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's part of the meta evolving as well. You know, for a while, it was just like, oh, the Inteleon engine's so broken. You just, oh, want to play a deck? Play it with the Inteleon. It's broken. But as, you know, as the meta has evolved, people began to realize that like, oh, hey, well, these Inteleon engines are trying to, you know, build a hand of resources, you know, just build their hand full of resources and have options for everything whenever they need it. Well, let's just start playing Marnie Path. Man, you Marnie and Inteleon engine enough times, you I guarantee you will brick them uh, if you do it enough times. Because, you know, like you said, the power of the engine is that, yeah, I'm cherry picking my deck. I can run one of of a bazillion different things and still be consistent. Man. Well, if I play a Marnie and you draw into the four of those one ofs and they're just all unusable at that point, mm-hmm. uh oh, you're in trouble. Yeah, because think about it. What do we know about that engine at that point? Well, guess what? They're most likely not going to run Marnie because they don't want to be reset in their own hand. They're most likely not going to even bother running research because they don't want to throw away their hand. And, they they want to cherry pick their deck. So yeah, if they break, they're stuck. Yeah, and like on research, like there's no point to play that because why do I need to draw cards? I can just search my deck for things. Like exactly, you know, it's it's the search power versus draw power debate. Um, but yeah, no, I mean there was just a lot of people gunning for it, not only trying to hit Palkia for weakness, but also making sure they were keeping the shady dealings in check. No shady dealings on the world stage, you know? So. Mm-hmm. And Palkia, I've always thought Palkia really wasn't as quite as bad as we make it out to be, because really, I think Palkia is pretty easy to play around. You just control your bench, and you can gimp that damage so bad that most other competent decks, I think, stand a fairly decent chance. Yeah, it wasn't like it dropped an Astral Radiance and was immediately tier zero. I mean, it was incredibly strong. Don't get me wrong. You know, it you have to you have to work really hard to, to play around it. it. But yeah. you know, it, it it's just not one of those things where it was just like you know, like ADPization dominating the format or Mu Vmax dominating the Sword and Shield uh, Fusion Strike format. You know, it, it wasn't one of those scenarios. We had enough counterplay in the format to deal with it. it still powerful. Still you know, unabashedly the best deck in the format, at least probably up until now, in my opinion. But, um, I, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna say that uh, this just proves what Phelan and I have said on this pod- podcast for months now, that Arceus is, like, the tier one card. It's everyone it's that, so like, good. kept... Everyone that was like, no, I'm you for months and months, dude. And this is, this is over the whole season. I'm going to be honest with everybody. Everyone that acted like Mew was the craziest thing ever. It was definitely broken and dominated the format. But this deck got shut down at almost every single event. And it didn't even make top five at Worlds. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy to me with how much people have complained about this deck uh, the entire season. Just how lackluster its tournament results have like been one after another. Yeah, it was it was just the culminating factor of a lot of people trying to gun after it. You know, it's like you either play yeah. the Mew or the you counter the Mew, and uh, you know a lot of people chose to counter it, and I understand why. I mean, you know, uh, part of part of Mew's decreasing meta share as time goes on is the fact that, well, it yeah, can, it's uh, an insanely it's it's an insanely broken deck and can realistically beat any matchup thrown at it just because of its sheer power it it's decreasing meta shares just because it doesn't trade favorably with arceus or palkia like yeah you might you might go crazy and take some key knockouts here and there but 
you know, you're still taking two prizes versus, or yeah, you're still taking two prizes versus them taking three. And that prize trade really adds up, especially the more resources Mew ends up expending in the late game. Like, yeah, man, it, it, it's a little rough sometimes. Yeah, and Mew definitely gets less value. With the rise of V-Stars and that kind of reduction in uh, HP, Mew lost a lot of its value with the numbers it can hit because you just don't need to hit those numbers anymore for the most part. I mean, look at look at this whole deck list. There's uh, one, two, three, four, four V-Maxes in the entire top 16. Yeah. It's just... Hitting the huge number isn't as big of a priority anymore. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing for decks like Mew VMAX, is like, they want to be taking those massive turn-the-game-on-a-dime three-prize turns, you know? And the fact that, you know, if there aren't three-prizers in circulation, Mew ends up becoming, you know, a, a little less viable. Not unviable, but a little no. less viable. It's, it's just less value for what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. Because... Like, a Mew, a Mew deck really doesn't want to go past what I would, I would say, like, turn 5, maybe turn 6. Probably a little earlier than that, honestly. You know, a Mew deck doesn't want a long game, because they're burning through their deck. And just losing out on those potential 3 prize trades, I think, does hurt the deck a lot, because you're burning a lot of resources to play uh, what is, could, could, like, going to continue to be longer and longer games. Especially as time goes on. I mean, we already know that we're, the format's slowing down even more. Yeah, with the with the EX Pokemon coming back and the like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I will say, shout-outs to Andre Chiasen anyway for, for right. getting the top cut with Mew. I was watching one of his games on stream uh, against... I think it was against Ryota. I, I don't fully remember, but I, I, okay, I was like, you know what? My money is on Arc Flying Pika to take this event, but I do... I do I, I do think it would be poetic if Mew won. So I was like, all right, Andre, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, that, that is actually in a way, I mean, that is the, the power of card games. Because, I mean, as we talk about decks on here, we never really directly are talking about the players for the most part. We're right. talking about the decks as archetypes and formats themselves. But it, that is the beauty of this game is, like, we could be talking about this deck like Mew, and it's like, yeah, we're, like, pointing out flaws and issues with it. We could just as easily have been about, like, 25 minutes ago, uh, started this podcast, and been talking about Mew in the number one slot. Because this is a card game, and players can make anything happen, even if they're not play. You know, you don't have to be playing Tier 1 or Tier 1 counter to become the champion. Yeah, and we've seen that a good number of times in previous world championships. I think most notably uh, 2016 being won by Mega Audino, a deck that just nobody had any eyes on whatsoever. So, you know, things like that can happen, but... And it's just, uh, like, huge shout Everyone on this list played out of their minds and deserves to be here. Oh, 100%. So huge shout-out to everybody. Yeah, and, you know, watching the top cut, watching the finals, I mean, it was just incredible, just amazing series after amazing series i mean I, you know we've, yeah, had, I, we've had some weird you know regional championships where we get to like the final game and it's just completely one-sided and we're like oh that's kind of lame no top cut all the way through was just heart pounding match after heart pounding match it was so incredible i i cannot imagine uh, the stress of playing in world's top cut dude oh, like yeah. phelan and i when we were on uh on our way to card triple 
trooper for astral radiance we uh we had like a 20 minute discussion about the butterflies in our stomach and how nervous we were dude imagine being a cut for a world yeah dude i i'm trying to i'm trying to bring the emotions to my head and i can't dude like that's just that's got to be a whole nother level man yeah like in fact i think i i I was watching the stream and I, i don't remember who i was watching play but it was top cut and like one of the players was going for like the game winning play. I saw their hands shaking on the stream. I was like, dude, it is unreal. It is intense on that stage. I was like, oh my lord. I know. But uh I mean all in all, uh amazing event. I haven't gotten to see too much of it myself. I do plan on going back and watching the entire things. I uh I was working most yeah, of these. Because it did happen in London. Like, it started at, like, 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did have to mute my chat a couple times from Phelan. <laughs> Dom talking about Pokemon oh and going God, off. I was going nuts, dude. I was at work one day, and I looked down, and it's like I had, like, 80 messages in the chat. And I was like, bro, please. <laughs> <laughs> trying to work right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, do, I definitely do want to go back and watch those, and I encourage everyone else to watch them. And, uh, like Phelan said, we've already technically had the first event for the 2023. That's right. Every year at the World Championships, they also have the World's Open, uh, which is the first event for the next season. Uh, And we do have a couple results from that. We're not going to spend too much time on this um, because we really don't have a whole lot to go off of. Um, But, yeah, we did have the 2022 London Open uh, if I recall, I believe this they essentially took the 1,000 players and split them into two pods and then did like X number of Swiss. I don't know. I think it was like 10 rounds of Swiss, I think. And then like, you know, you placed at the top of your pod and then that was it. There was like, as far as I know, there wasn't like a top cut or anything like that. Um, so we're just going to hit the, uh, the top eight players uh, in each pod and you know, maybe maybe a few others outside of the top cut because for one of those pods, I, I am obligated to mention this player. You'll see what, what I mean when we get there. Uh, but for the blue pod in top eight, we have Alex Hamilton. And if I don't know their deck, I'm just not going to say anything. Like this, we don't we don't know what decks everybody was playing. the The London Open wasn't really wasn't really streamed all that much. Like they streamed a couple games, but obviously the attention is on the World Championships itself. You get it. Anyway. So top eight for the blue pod, we had Alex Hamilton. Uh, seventh place, Sai Fung Lao uh, from uh, the UK. Alex Hamilton's from the US. Uh, Sai Fung Lao from the UK playing uh, Arceus Flying Pikachu with Jolteon. So taking the Japanese list. Sixth place, uh, Kevin Crawl, I believe from the Czech Republic, uh, playing Frostmoth Toolbox in top eight. That's pretty cool, actually. I don't think we've seen it get that high in a, an event before. Uh, fifth place, Vitor Lugan from Brazil, uh, playing Palkia Inteleon. Fourth place, Demetrius Eaton uh, from the UK, playing uh, Palkia Inteleon. Pedro Pertusi in third place uh, from Brazil, playing Urshifu, <laughs> Urshifu Zebstrika, Radiant Charizard, Inteleon. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a few inter- interesting ones sprinkled in here. Oh yeah, yeah. Just be just because Top Cut was was 
pretty cookie cutter and what we were expecting does not mean there was not innovation at London. Oh, there was a yeah. lot of innovation. Some of these players yeah. were in day one, right? So like that yeah, was I... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I encourage y'all to, uh, I'm sure we'll have this link posted. I encourage y'all to come look at this link because you'll be scrolling through this. There's some crazy decks in here. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of the Zeb Strika in day one. Uh, I do recall that. But uh, yeah, you know, there's still a lot of creativity in this format and that's on display here at the London Open. Uh, but yeah, that's Pedro Pertusi playing that uh, from Brazil at third place. Raymond Long from Canada getting second place with uh, Arceus, Pikachu, Jolteon. And then first place in the blue pod is Owen Kammerman uh, from the Netherlands, going 10-0 with Arceus, Flying, Pikachu, Jolteon. Man, imagine going 10-0 at the London Open. Yeah. <laughs> after... <laughs> after you uh, just played, like, Worlds. Like, imagine coming off of Worlds and going straight into this, dude. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, you know, a whole lot going on at the event. So, you know, crazy, crazy stuff there going 10-0. Yeah. Now in the yellow pod, top eight there, we have uh, Sam Chen from the United States playing Arceus Pikachu Jolteon. Seventh place, Eder Jarillo from Mexico playing Arceus Pikachu Biberal. So similar to what Andrej won the world championships with. Sixth place, Andrew Gantner. Uh, from the United States, playing Palkia and Teleon. Fifth place, Michael Pramalot from the United States, playing Mew VMAX. Fourth place, Wo Pen Wong uh, from Hong Kong, playing Palkia and Teleon. Third place, Jansen Wada from the United States, playing Ice Rider. Oh, wow, Ice Rider and Teleon. I was expecting that to say Ice Rider Palkia for some reason. <laughs> I just was thinking, like, oh, Ice Rider, you got to be playing it with Palkia. Okay. Oh, hey, shout-outs to Jansen here for playing just straight Ice Rider. That's crazy. Second place, Taisei Kodoma uh, from Japan playing Palkia and Teleon. And first place, Jake Santiago from Canada playing Arceus Pikachu Jolteon. Man, a lot of Arc Pikachu in the London Open. I imagine people started seeing some of the results from Worlds before they oh, got yeah. to the top cut and were like, yo, this Pikachu list is kind of cracked, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely following the trends from Worlds, uh, Arc Pikachu took both of these pods. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, wow. That's funny. Definitely good deck. Watch out for it. <laughs> yeah, look out uh, for it. Go ahead, give out your uh, special shout-out, because I think everyone at this point should already know what you're about to shout-out. If you know if you know Phelan from this podcast enough, you should know what he's about to shout out. Listen, I got to shout out 12th place in the yellow pod, Ty Dean Eugen from uh, Germany, playing Arceus Sylveon. You'll love to see it. That's that's all I got to say. He actually did uh, he did post his list because I mean 12th place in the London Open. I mean, whew, that's pretty good. Uh, he did post his list and. Um, I gotta say, I sent I sent this in our Twitter group chat. What he's playing in his list now is actually very similar to what I was testing very early on for Card Trooper. Quite a few differences. I was trying to cram in a lot more than what he has in his list. But I saw that and I was like, I had the right idea from the beginning. <laughs> Just needed to not try to tech for so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, I needed to not try to tech for so much and then not talk myself out of getting rid of the flying Pikachu so early on. Looking back, I'm just sitting here like, why did I do that? But anyway, so shout-outs to Ty. 
the Sylveon believers out there. I know there's a lot of y'all. Shout outs to y'all. Love to see it. Yeah, uh, if you ever want to catch Phelan's attention, uh, just play Sylveon and play somewhere in a tournament. He'll find you. He'll I will find, find you, you <laughs> and I will talk about you. All right? Yeah. I, I'm just saying, listen, man, I, I'm committed to the bit. It's not really a bit. It's just I love this deck and I want to keep playing it. I'm committed to it, so if I could see as many different perspectives on the list as possible, uh, especially, you know, lists that are winning events, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm going to find you. <laughs> I do my due yeah. diligence. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, all in all, starting to wrap up here, I think great conclusion to the comeback of in-person Pokemon and a great start to our brand new year with a lot to look forward to. Oh yeah, just an absolutely stunning send-off to the 2022 season, but an incredible kickoff to the 2023 season. I mean, just an incredible event. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe maybe y'all are not like me. I'm, like, addicted to Twitter, so I was just scrolling on Twitter the entire time. Worlds is happening. So many heartfelt stories, so many members of the community getting to meet each other for the first time you know, forming these online relationships and then finally getting to meet in person and just all of these wholesome stories throughout the weekend. I mean, it was just, I wish I was there, man. <laughs> I, gotta, I wish I was there because it just seemed like the perfect, most amazing event, the most amazing time to be a fan of Pokemon. And uh, for what it's worth, yeah. I'm doing everything I can to make Worlds next year so that I can be a part of that experience. Even even if I didn't have a world's placement, worlds in Japan like that, that's enough to make me want to go anyway. Even if I didn't get placement, because just like one of, if not like the biggest celebration of Pokemon the entire year in Japan, that sounds amazing. It sounds like a match made in heaven, exactly. And hey, you know, it isn't always about the world's qualification. You can just buy a spectator pass. Nothing. Yeah, wrong there is. There is lots and lots of other stuff to do there besides playing in these tournaments. Exactly, exactly. And of course, I mean, if nothing else, you get to participate in the World's Open, right? So Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you have to register for that like you would any other regional. But still, I mean, you know, we, yeah, we have like a thousand skill. players at this one, so. <laughs> yeah. Still definitely something you could do and gives you an excuse to go to this event if you need one. Yeah, so... Travel expenses be darned. I mean, I, you dream. can't really say that. We're going we're gonna to try. If it's expensive, it's expensive. But I'm going to try to make it, darn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we all got a lot to look forward to. Uh, I'm sure we're all very excited about EXs. Lowercase EXs. Yes! <laughs> oh, God, I'm so happy those are coming back, dude. It's going to be so sick. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah, when the leak first happened... Uh, or Phelan was in our chat, and he posted the EX. And he was like, the lowercase matters. It does. Different keyword. <laughs> I know. And it just made me laugh, because I knew what it was. But it's just like, guys, and they're finally doing it. Because I don't know how many times we've talked about us wanting them to bring back kind of the evolving from your stage two into the EXs. Like, bring that kind of style mechanic back. Yeah, time is proven because, like, you know, the EX era has become one of, if not the most popular retro format to play. Uh, 
in the modern era. And then, you know, we have that look back. People look back very fondly on that format. People look back very fondly on Sun and Moon to Lost Thunder, which basically had the same thing, but with GX Pokemon. I mean, time has shown us on multiple occasions that that kind of approach to game design or the card design is incredibly healthy and makes for incredibly amazing formats. So we have, I, I guarantee we have nothing but incredible things to look forward to as we get closer and closer to Scarlet and Violet. And I, man, I'm just excited for the future of this game. It looks like we're going in amazing directions. I'm excited for Lost Origins. If anybody gets any Giratinas, just mail them to me. Yeah, hit your boy up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't need them. <laughs> you don't need them. You're not playing the deck. Yeah. Send it my way. No, but uh, definitely a lot to look forward to. I'm excited. Yeah, in the near term, we've got a uh, uh, Lost Origin pre-release is coming up soon. In fact, actually, I think that's this weekend. Actually, oh boy, yeah, that's this weekend. I I also have to plug one of my uh, secret passions. Yo, y'all y'all got to start watching Master Journeys. Uh, this tournament, <laughs> uh, let's, crazy. Go. <laughs> let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Uh, I'm so hyped for these like upcoming episodes of Master Journeys. See, there's 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 so much across the Pokemon world, both in the card game, the video games, the anime. It's just so much to be excited for right now. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon just as always is uh, an amazing franchise that has its fingers in a lot of different pots. So, a lot of love to go around. Absolutely. But I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. This episode, it is in the bag. In the bag. In the bag. Episode, I think it's 16. Once again, I don't feel like checking. Don't care. Anyway. <laughs> I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this episode. Uh, new and returning listeners alike, we appreciate you just spending your time with us as we geek out about Pokemon. If you're listening to us on iTunes or on Audible, uh, feel free to leave us a five-star rate and review. We do, le uh, we do read out the five-star reviews at the beginning of every episode. So if you leave a five-star review on iTunes and on Audible, we'll read that out here on the show. And of course, if your platform of choice does not have reviews, hey, we'll take the five stars regardless. It does help us out a lot, helps get us seen more, helps us bring the conversation to more people. We would greatly appreciate it. With that being said, you could also... Uh, Check us out on Twitter at DamageCounter on Twitter.com. You hit us up. Feel free to add us. Send us a DM. The DMs are open. Let us know what you think of this episode, any of our topics. Maybe give us some suggestions and things you want us to talk about for future episodes. Totally a thing. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, that's just Damage Counter Podcast at, uh, on YouTube.com. I forgot to mention this. Uh, <laughs> in the introductions, but I did finally upload my NAIC tournament report to that channel, you know, just a couple days after the World Championships, where I'm sure people are dying to hear about how I did at NAIC <laughs> several months ago. <laughs> uh, better late than never, they say. So if you're interested, go ahead, check out our YouTube channel, check out the video. Links for all that will be in the episode description as well. You can follow me on Twitter, at EmerDCP, that's E-M-E-R-D-C-P is in Damage Counter Podcast for all things Sylveon related. And you can follow me at uh, Smiling underscore Anarchy, capital S, capital A. Uh, as always, I mean, y'all got any card of the days or 60 card decks, 60 card showcases that you want to send our way, uh, feel free. We love talking about the stuff y'all send us. 
yeah, we're, we're always happy to talk about viewer submitted topics. So, you know, the DMs are open. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, honestly, if you ever even have like what you feel like would be a main discussion and you just want to shoot it our way, we'll happily look at that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about moving forward. Uh, I mean, even looking back, looking forward, I mean, we, there's just a lot of aspects in this game that we could talk about. We're only scratching the surface at this point. Yeah, uh, speaking of looking back, uh, I think we talked about it a little bit at the start, but both our X and Y decks, Phalens is officially completely done. I'm like 90% sure mine's completely done. I still got to go pick up some cards, like I said earlier, but... Uh, we're, ex we're both really excited to talk about that. Yeah, we, we're going to be looking into some retro formats uh, coming up. It's it, it's already gotten out of hand for both of us. Phelan has like, what, eight, nine decks already built that he has uh, decided for retro formats he wants to make. I've decided on two others myself. I have a little bit more self-control. Yeah, I've scouted out about 30-plus lists covering every yeah, era uh, of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. The number got ridiculous after a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, I know what I want to build for every era, and then some, so. I just did some research, man. Hey, that Jason Klasinski's website on Retro Pokemon, it, it's it's too enticing. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely so. Uh, y'all be looking forward to that, and I think with that, we'll see y'all next time. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening.